let you know, and I'm not trying to offend the Halloween Unleashed listeners here that are going to tune into this Friday that are not here tonight. But I, you guys know, you know me. I'm going to call it like I see it. Welcome to the Halloween Unleashed podcast. And now, here are your hosts for the week. All right, welcome to the return of Mass Talk Radio here on Halloween Unleashed. I am Chris Morgan, and at one time we were so controversial. If you were in here for the for the pre-show, um, I already said well, one time we were so controversial that we that we were thrown off of the air because we pissed so many people off. And I'm back with my original brother in arms that helped me co-host that show. And uh, maybe we'll be throw off the, thrown off the air this week. But welcome back and welcome back, Mass Talk Radio, Mr. Corey Jones. What's up, Corey? Oh, not much, man. Uh, good to be back and uh, hope everybody enjoys the evening, man. We got a good evening plan and uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. So tell the folks who you are, um, kind of how you got started in all this and... Um, you know, where you been the last several years? Because, I mean, you've been kind of lurking in the backgrounds and nobody's really heard much from you. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, kids have a way of doing that. Uh had an unexpected kid five years ago that uh, never saw that one coming. <laughs> and and uh, between that and just kind of staying out, you know, of the politics and drama of the hobby, because I really did get burned out on there for a while, man, because everybody just kind of that has an effect on you and really, in, and that's really in any community nowadays, star Wars, horror, you know, masks, whatever, you know, people are become, you know, really big trolls. And it's like, that was ruining my, for the hobby as much, cause I really loved it. So I just like, you know what, I really need to just kind of step out and look from the outside and get my love for the hobby again and just stay out of the political side of it, you know? So, and like I said, that and the kid, man, I've just uh, been taking it easy, man. Been uh, turning wrenches and uh, making a living, just like we're all doing. <laughs> right on, man. Right on. Well, I I can tell you right now for everyone listening that, um, you know, Corey can back me up on this. It's not for lack of trying. I've been trying to get him to do something like this for three to four years, and I know that uh, timing wasn't right for him. Maybe it wasn't right for me, but uh, things have a way of working themselves out, and Corey, you've always been a brother to me and you, Aaron, you, Aaron, and, and several people in this, in this community, uh, especially back in the WMP days, you, Aaron, and, and Lawrence are definitely three people. I know I'm probably forgetting some people. That's okay. I don't mean it, but, uh, you know, you three definitely had my back and were my brothers, uh, no matter what. And, uh, that's never changed. We've always been friends, always will be friends and no piece of shit uh community is going to tear us apart ever nope absolutely not that's what real friends do man you stay you stay true to each other and you see all sides and you make the judgment for your damn self not what somebody else says you know right, right on i just want to go ahead right off the top here and uh before we jump in um i know she was on the pre pre-show but uh hannah um is actually now a moderator on the Unleashed page uh, that I, I asked her to be a mod. And awesome. uh, she's a, such a sweetheart. She is um, she is a true friend through and through. She's one of the good people. 
Um, she's going to get married here real soon. So congratulations again for those that don't know. Uh, she is she is horror princess ninety six over on Instagram. Hannah Santiago on Facebook and. Uh, you know, I also asked her to step in sometimes as she feels passionate about uh, a topic here or there to come on and, and co-host with me sometime too. So you might, you might hear her and whenever you have a female in a male dominant uh, hobby, co-hosting, it's never a bad thing. Oh no, shit, you need that these days, man. And honestly, I've been seeing a lot more females get into this hobby uh, than the males. And honestly, I get along better with the females because they're more logical sometimes, you know, <laughs> Well, sometimes, uh, sometimes these females, they have bigger dicks than the males that, that are uh, in this hobby. Well, they don't hold back, man. They'll tell somebody real, you know, real quick they're being a creep. You know? it's, it's a trip, dude. Yeah. Well, they, they definitely have bigger balls, for sure. Beach ball size lady nuts. Yeah. But uh, since, <laughs> since we're ad-free for the rest of the season, we're not going to do a Manscaped transition on that. So uh, for everybody that loves the Manscaped, not doing it. So uh, uh, no, no Blue Chew commercials either. So we're just going to move on, uh, move forward yep. here. Uh, for those of you that are going to be listening to this um, on Friday when we do the, do the replay, just want to throw out our social media channels. Don't do that very often, and we should. It's just I'm not this prepared. Um, but given that Corey, I, Corey and I haven't done this in a long time, uh, given the subject matter that we're going to cover, I wanted to make sure that I had some notes, and normally I don't do that. So, um, yeah, we kind of just went off, went off the whim usually. Absolutely. So uh, we have to get used to each other's timing again. Also, at the same time um, – I wanted to make sure that uh, that we followed a strict format. So, uh, for those of you um, that are listening, that are that download this podcast or that are subscribed, we for whatever reason this weekend we have just jumped in membership um, on our Facebook group. And uh, but that Facebook group is uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Halloween Unleashed. Um, our official Facebook page that has nothing to do with the group. It's just our page where merchandise and different things are advertised. It's uh, we're at Halloween unleashed. Our Instagram is at Halloween unleashed and our Twitter is H unleashed because Halloween was too much. So it's H unleashed. I don't post there very often. Just I've never understood Twitter. I, I just don't, I, Me I don't, I've never I don't tweet. It. I don't tweet. <laughs> Definitely not a tweeter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not a wiener either. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, most definitely not. <laughs> so, <laughs> now that we're doing Mass Talk Radio um, as part of Halloween Unleashed, this definitely is a different format. But if you could, if you could just catch up everybody, Corey, about the history of Mass Talk Radio and, and what that was about from your, from, from your side. Well, it was basically about us, you know, cutting up as friends and talking about masks that we loved and other um, horror forms that we liked. You know, like Chris said, you know, we were really big into The Walking Dead, especially when it first launched. It was in its peak numbers. So, and, you know, that was a big, strong subject for a lot of people. And, you know, when you would go to con, you could not go to a, a horror convention and not have something from The Walking Dead in it or somebody. So that was really in-depth in our community. Because at the time, Michael Myers was kind of you know, drying out. There was really no material really to go off. You know, once we got done talking about masks, I mean, you couldn't just do that 
for a sole episode because you would just run out of material and it would just get boring. So we diversified and we talked about The Walking Dead, masks, uh, some current affairs. You know, we, we really uh, diversified the show. It was kind of like a, uh, a jack-of-all-trades show, and we, had, we really enjoyed it, you know, and that's what we did. And we got to just get on the air and, you know, somewhat be ourselves and have a laugh about it and, you know, basically talk. It wasn't really a show because it's like I get to talk to my best friend for, you know, a couple hours. So it was, it was a blast. Yeah, especially during those times because, you know, um, I was expecting a kid. Obviously, we did not know that um, he was going to be born eight weeks early. But right. during that time, we, um, you know, there we just had some just fun, fun times. People people loved hearing some of your uh, just quips and, and just uh, fast um, responses to things like uh, – you know, you, I was listening to one episode just to kind of reminisce a little bit where, where you were talking about booger sugar. And I, I remember I popped so hard listening <laughs> to you uh, talk about that, you know, your, your famous Jack and Cokes that you were pounding in the background and like the oh, more yeah. you got into you, like, like, like the better it was. And I'll never forget the night where I got my ass in trouble when we were talking about, um, snorting coke off of tara reed's ass at a oh yeah god i forgot about that one <laughs> <laughs> that was towards the end too <laughs> yeah yeah i forgot about that night Woo, good time yeah yeah well yeah I, i'll i'll never forget the look i got because you know we um i said it and <laughs> thought and thought my wife was in bed and she definitely was not and she popped her head in as soon as i said it and thank god you were talking after that because i'm sitting there with the fear of god um going yeah i, I do not want to go back to the bedroom now <laughs> after this let's let's stay up as late as we can <laughs> yeah we're gonna we're just gonna prolong that uh invitation you know <laughs> yeah yeah but um yeah, it was it was all it was all done done for entertainment. But uh, yeah, I mean, we used to have music breaks. We would have like where Corey, you would take uh, throughout the week. People can message you, hey, I would like this on a playlist. We were obviously not on a Zoom meeting back then. I mean, the, the landscape was different. We were on Spreaker, uh, which had a live format, and uh, it was a headache half the time. Oh my Jesus. god, the 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 audio was terrible. You know, oh god, if it worked. You know, <laughs> yeah. You remember how many Skype uh, test calls we had to do, like an hour before the show? Oh yeah, it was like an hour pre-rehearsal before we'd have to get it started, just to make sure the damn thing was working right. You know, and it and it would work through all that, and then we would go live and take we would yeah, it, Exactly, <laughs> and we couldn't explain it. So, no. yeah, it was it was Spreaker that that gave me. Uh, PTSD when it went to going and doing live shows. And as I was doing Zoom meetings uh, through my marketing business, I was like, well, I can do live shows again because I can have up to a hundred people in a, in a chat and live here and we can do whatever we want. So yeah. Um, it I was takes like, a lot of the guesswork out of it too. Think, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So technology's come a long way since 2013. And that's when we aired the show was July of 2013 through it was officially like February of 2014. God, man, time flies, dude. I'll tell you. Yeah. So Whew. six years later, here we are, man. You know, it's, it's crazy. Six is the magic number, man. 
<laughs> you are, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. The speed of significance, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely caught me off guard there. I, I, don't, I don't even know how to respond to that. But uh, Yeah, I, I mean, you look at, you know, that's how we met was because of Halloween 6, because of the mask, and then here we are six years later doing the show. How, what kind of significance is that? Because this was not planned. It just happened. No, and uh, for those that that are out there that have listened to the V75 episode, this is the guy that when uh, that project was going through three or four different sculptors, and I was about to give up on it, you actually reached out to me and said that you wanted to help fund fund that project to help get it finished. Oh, yeah. When that fell apart, yeah. Man, I saw it because it broke your heart, man. And I was like, dude, I want to see this thing come out. I got to see this shit because I like the whole pretense of it, man, and it – Got me psyched up for it, you know, and I want, I was getting excited. So I was like, you know what? This is not over until we say it's over. And so, you know, and here we are. Yeah, man. If it wasn't for you, we never would have had that mask for H35. Never would have had uh, a V75 period because I was like, well, the JTK is doing fine. You know, what What do I need this for? We can just scrap it. and The JTK? <laughs> oh, tell that story. Tell that story. Oh, my God. Like. I was like, we were talking about, you know, accurate masks and stuff. And I went in there and I posted like, yeah, I mean, Visa, you know, the, the JTK does it for me. I love the look of it. It fits great. You know, and I just love the style of that mask. And I was propping it up as one of the better ones in the, at the time in the community. And then Mr. Frankie, Spradley, Dick Clutch, Dick Clutch. Yeah, Dick Clutch, you know, you know, he had a secret, you know, crush for Kane in the, the, the wrestling show. Um, he decided to message Chris personally and go off on him about his mask creation, not mine, because I was speaking up highly for it. And Frankie decided that he felt the need to message Chris and go off on it. And he goes, come on, Chris, the JTK, the JTK. Really? Yeah. Seriously. seriously? Out of all the accurate masks out there, he picks that mask because he's friends with you. And I just said, that's his opinion, man. I mean, what do you want me to say? And I said, and I don't know if I should be offended that you're that as my friend and as my mod that you're sitting here talking shit about something that you put over publicly. Yeah, technically you're bashing me right now to me. Yeah. I mean who, at least he know. did it to my face that time. Sure, that sure. time. That time. Yeah. That time. So <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> but anyway, um, the topic of of the day is and the reason that I chose this format and this subject for this day is we're covering Rob Zombie's Halloween universe here today. Uh we're going to cover everything about it since it is Mass Talk Radio, we got to talk the mask and we will. Uh Oh yeah. Because we don't want to get thrown off the air again, you know, because we yeah. don't talk enough mask because it is Yeah, we definitely got to cover the mask. <laughs> yeah, definitely the mask, definitely. So, um, but we're going to cover everything Rob Zombie's Halloween. We're going to cover um, his early beginnings. We're going to cover um, how he got into film and how he transitioned there. Then we're going to talk about where the Halloween franchise was at that time and how we moved into how he got the job for Halloween. And then we're going to talk about just a lot of mixed messages he put out there. And then we're going to break down um what we thought of it and we're gonna we're gonna open up some calls and let some people vent talk give their opinions as well 
and how and how that works if this is your first time joining us is when we open that section up all you got to do is put in the chat room i would like to call it and at that point i will unmute you and then you're free to chime in and chat and talk all you want so may have two calls may have none may have all of you call but either way it's usually pretty fun yep it's an open forum so be open <laughs> yeah and you can say fuck you can say shit you can you can say whatever you want yep this is uh this is truly uncut and unleashed yeah for sure well the the reason i chose you for this subject is um by the time we met, I was pretty much just like I am with the 2018 mask. I was fed up with the mask, period. I was like, I have seen this fucking mask for five years, just regurgitated a million times, and I'm done with it. So, yeah. especially from uh, the smaller guys that, you know, think they could, you know, make masks and they would just come out with this trash and call it art and i'm just like man it's just like not not for me check out this bad boy mm -hmm. yeah so, everybody and their mom was doing them yeah exactly and everybody was doing the fucking uh animatronic head which nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that but um at the same time it was just like how many fucking times are we going to see this this exactly. is my this is my grail. This is the be I'm just like fuck. It looks like the last animatronic head sculpt. Yep. But I chose you because we went to a convention together where you got you had your Delatore mask. Uh, yep. Do you still have that, by the way? Oh hell yeah! Sweet. Um, I don't even know what you have anymore. So anyway, I still kept a lot of most most of the things I still own are all yours, and the only one that's not is the Delatory, and that's really because I had the since I was moving and I was in a money pinch at one time, I had to move some of my masks. Like I didn't want to sell them, but that was the only thing at the time I could really turn a profit on really quick. And much as I hated to, I had to sell some of them off. But I kept my favorite ones that you know fit me good that I can cosplay with. I never got rid of those. I got every single H6 mask that I ever got from you. Um, I sold off oh, um, my Brad Harden, uh, a lot of the other ones that just kind of just didn't look as good as the ones that I wore from you in costume. So I just Be like careful, careful. People are going to think that you that, that I'm putting you up to this. Careful with that. But you know, I mean, the latter part, you know, and I love you know the earlier Brad Hardens, but man, towards the end there, they just didn't look great. You know, they were too rounded. They were, like you told me, they were, the features were washed out. They didn't look as great. So, you know, I mean, it was cool for the aesthetic value of who he was and what he did for, in Halloween. But after that, the novelty reasons, they didn't fit, especially the first Brad Harden. It was a small recast. <clears throat> yeah, you know, and, but I kept the ones that I could wear because that's originally why I got into the hobby. I wanted a professional mask that looked like it came out of the movie that I could wear and scare the shit out of people. That's why I found your, your site. Well, before it wasn't even a site because I found you off the old website um, that you sold the mask off back in the day. God, what was that website? I offer. I offer. And that's when I first met you and that's how we got introduced. And that's when I got the raining red. That's and, right. Uh, yep. And, and then I said, Hey man, you ought, you ought to come over and check out the website. 
Yep, and we've been friends ever since, man. You know, we just hit it off really well because we had a, the same love for the same movie, the mass, the atmosphere, and that's what that's what got it all started. That was the catalyst, you know. Imagine that when you're not a two-faced lying cockwaffle. I mean, there's friendship there. <laughs> I mean, fuck. I mean, it's exactly. like common sense. It's like <laughs> – Jesus. Anyway, exactly. uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, we went to a convention. You um, you dressed up in the deletory Rob Zombie, and I mean, you had I mean you had Asian Chuckies like hanging off your arms like every. Two oh feet. yeah, no comment. Pick <laughs> a bye. Uh, but uh, but anyway, um, you you also had. Uh, like you had Marcus, Michael Honeycutt, and I, and yep. Michael Honeycutt. For those in the chat room that have watched H three O and H thirty five, he played Danny Strode in those movies. Um, Marcus, great actor, great actor. Yes, he is. And Marcus was uh, was uh, <laughs> Aaron Bass. Just commented in the chat room. I got to call this out. He goes, "Big a boy, I like a your muscles." <laughs> Do you walk out? <laughs> yeah. Do you, you walk out? You have a big a boy muscles. No, but, I got uh, a boyfriend though. <laughs> my boyfriend he get the so mad oh god but anyway um i forgot where i was going with that um you're talking about the convention and me in the in the del Torre outfit that's right well, that's right so well i made the coveralls i got the mask from him yes so we're walking around we're walking around the convention and marcus and and his uh his v75 and he's got his his accurate cover coveralls on and then he's got van vans shoes on like canvas yeah. shoes and canvas we're like going shoes. where the fuck is your boots man and then uh you got honeycut rocking the h2o i'm in the h6 um and we're walking around and there's four of us people loved all four of us together as the mic pack but people flock to you because tell people how tall you are Oh yeah, if I'm not wearing boots, I'm six foot five naturally with no shoes on, and of course I put my big Doc Martens on that look very similar to the ones that um, Tyler Maine wore, um, that were very similar. So they had the real thick soles, and then I put the uh, the gel inserts on there for like uh, heavy duty uh, lifting and stuff like that. So I was probably like six foot seven. You know, I know Tyler's almost like six foot nine. So I mean, really two inches. Who's going to notice? Right. Um, no pun intended. But um, <laughs> everybody just saw me man it's like being a fucking rock star man it's like i could not walk through a room without somebody snagging a pick if i would have charged money which i never would have but if Dude, i would have charged you, took, I you made, took 10 steps yeah you know i would have made a, i would have made a fortune in that show because it was it was so funny because like some of the other cosplayers just gave up because we did so well you know <laughs> right but, it, yep but um I just, I just recall like seeing your mask and seeing the way you wore it, and I, I started to have like a new appreciation for it. Like I didn't hate seeing it anymore because you were the first person to wear it that actually it looked like it belonged on you, you know. Right. And yep. it was the same thing with the six as well. Like we, we went to Days of the Dead in Atlanta where you, where we, uh, where we had fun with Sid Haig. I mean, you can tell that story if you want. But oh man, I, I that fucking love Sid. Red, yeah. no, God, rest, God rest his soul, man. I miss the shit out of him because the dude was a great storyteller, very personable. One of my favorite. You know, the, the, that guy was in almost every con I've ever been to. Um, so I always look forward to seeing him, and uh, he was a very outspoken guy. 
like I said, great at telling stories. He was just somebody you liked being around. And right. dude just had such a great appreciation for the hobby and its fans. He never let it taint its, you know, he never let it get tainted. Um, but yeah, some of my best pastimes was with that guy. And we, I'll never forget, man. It was like, this was a couple years later after Devil's Rejects. There we went to Atlanta and they did a massive uh, House of a Thousand Corpses reunion. So mm -hmm. Bill Mosley, uh, Robert Mukes, which is, we're friends on Facebook. He's another stand-up guy. You know, everybody besides Rob Zombie and um, Rain Wilson, and that was basically it. Everybody else was there. Chris Hardwick uh, was supposed to be there, but I think he canceled. Um, but, yeah, it was a really good show. And I'll never forget when we were in the elevator. I mean, this was back when me and Chris discovered this fart app, and we were using it every fucking where we walked. Because we, <laughs> because we were drunk. It. We were drunk. Yeah. You know, we could hide it in our coveralls or whatever we were wearing, and nobody expects Michael Myers to be farting anywhere. So what the hell, you know? So <laughs> I have to see Sid one time. I we probably were you know eighteen beers deep between the both of us at this point, and I saw yeah. Sid get on the walk past me. I'm like, dude, you fucking fruity. And he kind of <laughs> gave me this look. It's like he's like, really, dude. And then Chris just like he did not like that at all. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. I'm gonna cut that out, you know. And then, um, and then, like the next day, we were in costume. We're going down the elevator. The elevator door opens up. He sees us both standing there in costume, and he just turns and walks away. Like I'm not getting on with these fucking guys again. <laughs> He's like, uh -uh. yeah, that was hilarious. Um, the funny part is when we actually did crack one of those farts on the elevator. He was with us. And it was kind of just like crickets there for a second. And Sid kind of turned around. And he's like, I don't know about you, but I don't up that one. <laughs> that was it. And it just, everybody started laughing hysterically, man. He, like I said, he's such a good dude, man. I remember yeah, eating man. breakfast and he's sitting like right beside me over here. And Gunnar Hansen, you know, he passed away as well. You know, That's all of right. us, you know, I love Gunnar. Gunnar was a good dude too. I mean, it's, I hate because those are two of the best guys to do conventions, man, was, was Gunner and Sid, man. They really did a lot for the hobby, you know, and loved it. So. Yeah. Do you, do you remember when we went to the bar um, that Friday or Saturday night, we, we, we oh, sat at the bar. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were, we were hanging out with Kane Hodder and then, um, shit, fucking. Steve Knapp, um, Leslie Easterbrook. Yes. And uh, the guy from the Hills Have Eyes. Yep, Michael Berryman. They were sitting yes, together. Yes, Michael Berryman. Uh, I should be shot for not, but that's what happens when you have kids and you're over forty. You don't remember yes. shit. But uh, <laughs> but also at the same time, um, fucking uh, sex machine was there too. Uh, Tom Savini. Thank you. I see yep. over forty. I should be shot. But uh, <laughs> but we we hung out with all these people in in the bar. Yep. They were cool as shit, man. We were buying them drinks. Uh, yep. Um, a sex machine even bought us a drink. Yeah, I mean, I was sitting there getting drunk with Kane Hodder and Steve Knapp, which was That's his right. best friend. That's um, right. Norman Reedus was supposed to be at that convention too, but he never. He ended up being a no show. Um, but we had a blast, man. Just that to me was personally one of my favorites because conventions have kind of gone mainstream now, and they've lost that kind of indie individualism they used to have. Because back in the day. We stayed at the hotel where the convention was at, and that's where everybody partied and went to the bars. And the actors and the actresses, um, God love them for putting up with us because we were all fucking three sheets of the wind. We were having a blast. And I'll never forget 
you know, I, like Leslie Easterbrook, I've had a crush on her since she did Police Academy in the 80s. Do you, do you remember what I said to her? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> I'm going to tell that story. I just said. <laughs> but hey, I'll can, never forget can, when, can, when she and I were talking and she was sitting with Michael Berryman and I was like, well, I'm, you know, I just want to say I love your work and everything. And then I went about my business. She's like, well, I'm going to leave you guys alone. Y'all have, y'all have a good day. She's like, well, you don't have to leave. I'm like, well, I don't want to bother you. She's like, well, that's too bad. I'm like, I remember going back to the bar and telling Chris, I'm like, I think she was hitting on me, dude. And, and of course I stumble over and I was like, yeah, you ought to motorboat those bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that'd go over well. And, you know, but she and was, I did, <laughs> I did not realize that she was that close that she could hear me, but she heard me and that scared the yep. shit out of her after that. And then you're like, yeah, thanks dude. <laughs> <laughs> but she was, you know, God bless her. She was super nice, very friendly. And, and to me, I think, I mean, still beautiful till the day. That's just me, you know, but very super nice lady. Like Dee Wallace, that's another one I love. She is so nice, you know. Yeah. Um, PJ Souls was there, too. Where they, uh, we, yep. we, we got to chat with her, and uh -huh. um, she was checking out the same time that we were that Sunday morning. And, uh, yeah, she was she was really cool, too. I mean, like yeah, everybody, I everybody was nice. Uh, Jake the Snake was kind of a dick, though. Really? He was cool to me. I guess it's because I'm taller than him. He just he shook my – well, DDP was there. That's uh, true. Because they both live in Georgia, and that's back when Jake was going through his rehab real bad. Yeah, and I'm probably sure he was probably fed up with a lot of shit by that point. So I'll give him some slack, you know, because I mean he was going. He's that dude's had a rough life, you know, self inflicted a lot. But you know, we all, we've all been there. Um, yeah. But he was a good, you know, he was cool. But the DDP was really cool. I liked meeting him, man. He was very down to earth. Like you know, I was really impressed with him, and he's a big dude, man. I wasn't expecting him to be that big, you know. Yeah, he was uh he was tall and kind of lanky. I thought he was uh I thought I thought he would be thicker. Yeah, well he's lost a lot of his weight since he got real big into DDP yoga. Um he's really thinned out and he's really healthy now cuz he was and when he did those rejects, he was bulked, bulked up, you know. That's true. Yeah, he was so, also in his 40s then too. Yeah, he's gotten up there, you know. Yeah. He's like 64, 65 something like that now. Yeah, shit if I look that good at his age, I'll I'll I consider I made it. All right. Well, um, we're going to go ahead and jump in now that we've uh, we've we've kind of we kind of educated the uh, the audience that we've been friends for more than five minutes. Um, we're here today to talk about Rob Zombie's Halloween. Now, we're we will lightly touch on the his H two, but I do want to save that for a long form someday, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, because that's that's an episode all in itself, and um, I don't like to blow my load in one session. I like to sprinkle the love, um, <laughs> you know, in episodic ways. But uh, the man, Robert Cummings is his real name, later renamed Rob Zombie, made his famed and trendy and, at the time, hip music videos. Do you remember the first time you saw uh, White Zombie? Oh, absolutely, dude. I've loved... I've loved his music since they were White Zombie and had to change their name, you know. Why did they have to change their name? That's something I, I never knew. Because uh, White Zombie was the same name as a Bella Lugosi flick called White Zombie. And there was, two, there was a, since I guess they were making a profit off of it, which technically is not the same thing, um, I believe it was a, a, a conflict of interest, so he had to change his name of the band. And two of the core members, the female bass player, and um, 
the other the older guitar player they had they left so they were like you know what let's revamp we'll get Riggs and Blasco John Testa um, on, on the band and Rob Zombie on the vocals so they kind of did a revamp and redid the band but Rob had been playing for a long time you know in the LA scene and everything because matter of fact his office is right next to Larry Flint's office but anyways but that's how I, they got started out and changed their name gotcha well, yeah. he he was also. I mean, he was obviously he was very into uh, '70s horror. He uh, was into directing his own music videos, and they had a lot of throwback to that. To to me, it was almost kind of like um, like a Misfits uh, style. Um, oh, oh yeah. Too. And then you had some definitely some '70s flair in that 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 really influence his uh his direction on his music videos very cutting and uh cutting edge at the time very mm -hmm. fast paced editing shot a lot on a um with a video projection on the background with them performing in front of it there was a lot of that mm -hmm. uh, a lot of set design and then he started to make his way into uh wanting to get into hollywood stuff but he ended up making a stop off at universal's uh, halloween horror nights and designed his own uh haunted house in the yep. late 90s and then ended up because of that universal then wanted to partner with him yep. which uh which led to house of a thousand corpses was going to be released through universal pictures and i remember reading about that around 2001 yep. and it was greenlit um but then uh lionsgate ended up picking up picking up the contract because universal backed out because due to how graphic it was they, he went through so many distributors trying to get that movie out because at the time they were like oh man this is too graphic we can't have something like this but i mean look at the original texas chainsaw massacre which that movie's basically a sister to, if you look at the concept of it, um, I love House of a Thousand Corpses. To me, that's one of my that's one of my favorite films he's done. And the, you know, all all due respect, the dude is very talented artistically. In the beginning, he had a great vision. You know, he really had an eye for that stuff, and it really had its own style in that movie. But you know, as with time, things change, and kind of lost. He kind of lost that flavor. You know, if you ask me. Well. Well, we'll get there. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> at the time, you know, horror was definitely needing a, a definitive shot in the arm. I mean, let's face yeah. it. You know, we went through the Scream. We went through all the Scream ripoffs in that era. Love Scream to death, but every Hollywood glossy actor overproduced um, people I would never meet in real life was going through all these horror films and it was just really polished, really over, overproduced, still loved them. I, I can still watch them to this day. There's, there's a lot of those uh, scream ripoff movies that I would, I would gladly take today over some of the shit that I've seen. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not ripping on any of that, but you know, the, the popularity, like the scream popularity really started to wane in the late nineties, early two thousands. And horror was looking for that next wave that next push and then you had rob zombie's name at the top of everybody's list and then mm -hmm. you know there was a lot of underground swell um you know about him that people were loving they're like this guy is a 70s throwback and you know we love that nostalgic feel that he brings 
I mean, just watch his music videos. The guy's a horror fan and horror fans were, were wanting something different and something to that, something to that throwback. Even I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when Rob Zombie's house of a thousand corpses and all of its promotion was being marketed as sick and twisted, it caught everyone's attention. And, you know, I know from experience how hard the director chair could be um, when you do have experience. And I don't even, I, I'm not even trying to compare myself to anyone that's on the Hollywood level. That's even more pressure. So oh, yeah. I, so I understand how hard it is being in the director chair on an independent level, but my thing, and this is where I said I would, I would cover that later is his music videos worked because they were short and they were able to be fast edited. Zombies problem with house with devil's rejects, um, you know, three, three from hell Halloween, which we're going to get into and the rest of his films that I didn't watch, but his biggest thing is like you said, he's talented. He has a vision. He has a cool vision, but when you're asking him to, direct something outside of that vision and put depth into what he's doing. Sometimes he puts his foot on the gas and does not know where the, where the brake pedal is. And, you know, he does too much and it's like, it's a little over the top and it's a little too much in your face where if you would have just done one stab and then pulled out and pulled back, that's enough. Or exactly. one shot to the head, or one fuck word, that would have been enough. But when you have an entire scene, which is in Rob Zombie's H two, where it's in a, a minute and a half of guy just saying fuck, 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 fuck over and over again for Richard for seconds, it's like, dude, seriously, one was enough. Yeah, we you we know? get it, we get it exactly, you know? exactly. I mean, but he did have a lot of really cool visuals, um, which we'll cover that in Halloween, but just. House of a Thousand Corpses alone, visually, it was a beautiful film. Absolutely. And I like that he was so raw then, and because he brought a little bit of his music video talent into that movie. And I like that he did the soundtrack for it, too. It just kind of had an atmosphere that not a lot of his movies have replicated since. And that's what warmed my heart when I watched that movie. It really had its own atmosphere. It was raw, right. it was nostalgic, and a lot of the cut scenes and flash scenes you know, took a lot from the stuff I've seen him do in his videos and some of the artistic uh, sets he's done on MTV back in the day. And right. that movie had a lot of that, and I, that's why I really dug it, because it was him, you know, unedited, you know, raw, and I really dug that before, you know, when he wasn't, when, that's back mm, when I he would take raw. chances. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, <laughs> back when he would take chances and before studios, you know, will kind of overrule him, I guess, so to speak, you know, but I, that's why I've always loved that movie. And then Sid Haig, man, I mean, him and Bill Mosley were that movie, hands down, you know, if it sure. wasn't for those two, that movie wouldn't have been as good as it was, you know. Well, you know, just like I was just saying, you know, Rob's lack of experience in the film industry in the director chair directing a narrative film um, was definitely edit are evident because the all all of his films have felt very uneven, scattered, mm-hmm. 
with no real direction except one long music video with cool shots and over-the-top violence and profanity. That's, that's just the way I see it. That's basically three from hell for me, you know. Yeah. Well, um, when did you first hear, I mean, because let, let's jump real quick. Now, we covered uh, Zombie's backstory there. Let's talk about, you know, where the Halloween franchise was during this time period. And then moving on, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about where, where you first heard the news, where I first heard the news. But let's talk about where the Halloween franchise was. Resurrection came out in 2002. Say what you want about that film. That's fine. But, you know, there was a Halloween 9 planned. And mm-hmm. um, that Heather chick, I can't remember her last name, won the walk-on at the 25 Years of Terror in 2003. Um in that DVD, she shows her tits, which I wish she yeah, would walk on. I remember that. <laughs> exactly. So, but anyway, Mustafa Akkad gets killed and the terrorist bombing with his daughter. Um, and then, yeah, that was sad, man. very sad. And then you have this complete what do we do with the Halloween franchise? Nobody knew. Miramax Dimension was, was on the hook uh, for another two movies. So they, they knew they were going to do two more movies. They just didn't know what it was. And yeah. now Halloween 9 was, was out the window. Malik Akkad's coming in to take over where his father left off. But, I mean, there was a whole period there from 2003 to the announcement in 2006 where there was really nothing. And the internet back then nope. wasn't what it is today. I mean, but there yeah. was still – I was – subscribed to publications there was really no news nobody knew what was going to happen with yeah it was very hush hush like nobody knew anything everybody had opinions but nobody truly knew the studio didn't even know um they couldn't tell anybody anything so like i said it was a dry period really for the the whole industry and and as within the mask industry if there's no new movie no fresh new you know take on the series it, the mass community kind of dies down as well. Like the older stuff is always going to be there, but it just, the, the riffraff really calms down. But as Chris knows, when the new movie comes out, it's nuts for like two years, man. I and mean, uh, how, are, how done with the 2018 shit are you at this point? I love the mask and I would love to find one that actually fits. Yeah. But other than that, I'm not, you know, it's a, it's a cool looking mask. I'll give it its props, but it's been, but like you said, you know, with the RZ oh, stuff, sorry. Day, it got Man. burnt out, you know. I need to take some Pepto. My, my tummy's upset or something. I don't know. It's uh, anyway. But yeah, you know, and it, 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 I, I can only see that thing rehauled so many times where I'm like, okay, great. Check cool out my mask. grail. Yeah. Cool looking mask, dude. It's the same Tots mask that I've seen the last hundred times, but okay. And it's, yeah. It's not like, I mean, there's not like anybody out there that's actually doing ground up sculpts for those. It's like, it's just a Tatsri hall. And I'm bored with that. You know, tots, I mean, I love tots, 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 you know, you know, and, and they did a decent job with the mask. I'll give them that for the price. Then you can't beat it, but I don't have a three inch head either. So, <laughs> well, actually you do. It's just, you don't, you don't wear that mask on your cock. <laughs> just not that type of rubber, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, I'm all about uh, protection, but let's face it, you know, it's. But yeah, you know, and 
that time in the industry, there was really not much going on, you know, and everybody, I loved Resurrection. I still have a small place in my heart for that movie. I mean, it had a few things that was wrong, but I love, I love Resurrection. I don't care because I like the concept of the cameras, the way they did it. And Rick Rosenthal being the director of two coming back to the helm. It was really cool, man. So I've always had kind of have a soft spot for Resurrection. Well, and, um, Hannah just said in the chat room to you, she goes, I do, I do too, Corey. So she, she hell yeah. You know, but, but yeah, I mean, like like I said on the Mofuga episode, <laughs> what what they did right in H eight, they did really right. What they did wrong, they did very wrong. So it's it's I don't know, it's hit and miss for me. I'm like, to me, it felt like the franchise after H two O was go, was going in the right direction, but at the same time, I'm like, H eight wasn't it. You know, if if you would have taken Buster Rhymes out of there, yeah, we wouldn't have had the funny uh, ha-ha yeah. moments that, that you've heard me impersonate a million times. We wouldn't have that, but at the same time, I can do without that if there was going to be a better movie, you know. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, still, um, you know, moving forward here, I'll tell you the first time I heard about it um, – I was on my honeymoon. I got married on June 3rd of that year. I was on my honeymoon um, down in Punta Cana. um, And we went to this little internet cafe. We had drank too much um, our first day. We were just getting ready for, for dinner and we were trying to sober up and we're like, let's, let's go check in, make sure. Cause like, Maddie, our dog, was only a couple years old at the time, so we were like, "Let's go check our our our, our email and make sure that that Maddie's okay." I mean, that that was our daughter at the time, so you know that that was kind of like where where we were, and we went to this little, you know, we were in that um, one of those resorts where it's all inclusive, everything's there. And right. we, we went up to the, like the front place, jumped on the internet to check our mail. And I remember I was subscribed to HalloweenMovies.com and right. got, got a note. I got a notice, a uh, notification that breaking news, Rob Zombie is slated to direct the next Halloween movie. Of course I had to, I had to read it, you know? So um, I was kind of like, all right. I know, I know what the Weinstein's did with six. So like about putting the, putting the restrictions on. So if they can, if they could save Rob zombie from himself, you know, visually, I think it's going to be a good film, but I mean, I'm hoping he's going to mature from his, his first two movies. Right. Um, People love those movies and I'm not down in that. I mean, from from a from a director standpoint, it fails for me. Mm-hmm. But from a visual standpoint, fun characters and stuff, sure, it works in a Rob Zombie environment. But yeah. Halloween and Rob Zombie's hands, I was like, as long as he doesn't try to Rob Zombie it too much, it's got a shot to be a really fun movie. It has a oh, chance. Yeah. So I was pretty open minded at the time. What about you? Me too. Oh, yeah. I wanted to see a different take on it. I wanted to see, because, like, you know, I was a fan of Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, I really wanted to see his take on it. I was going into it, like you said, with an open mind. Um, I didn't want to see, like, I like, 
I like some of his 70s dry humor that you find in some of his films, but I, I think they took it like a little bit to the top sometimes in that movie, but we'll get there. But yeah, you know, I was really wanting to see where they were going to go with it. Because at the time when they announced him, they didn't really say it was going to be a reboot or this and that. We didn't really know. So we didn't know if it was going to be a sequel until later. And then that's when they were like, okay, that's when Hollywood didn't want to take any chances. Let's do a reboot. Like, okay, right. well, let's see how it goes. Yeah. Because reboots were really starting to become a thing at that time. and Yeah, they were just what, getting started. Let's back up to one of his interviews, and I'm going to read a quote from his August 2003 interview uh, with DVDtalk.com, uh, his take on criticism of a rock star music video director making movies. His exact quote was, they think if you're a video store clerk making movies, is really a passion that you have. Whereas if you already had success in another field, they think that you're just fucking around. Oh, look, someone handed me this opportunity on a golden platter, but it's really not like that. It's a thing that I want to do and that I'm going to do. It's difficult. We never get a real answer to how it's difficult though. I mean, cause he did get yeah. the opportunity. He, you know, to, on a golden platter because of his namesake. I understand what he's trying to say, but at the same time, he's not you or me talking. He's an established rock star with a lot of really trendy up and coming music videos and a, and a visual style that was starting to become popular at that time. And mm -hmm. then on top of it, um, he had just had a very successful, like we just stated earlier, haunted house within Halloween Horror Nights at Universal. So, which was cool as hell, I might add. Exactly. It, it was, yeah. It totally was. Um, but here's where, and let's back up, because um, early on, I, I got to say, man, when I got the news that he was going to make Halloween as a reboot, it really took me back. And I'm going back, to, and I'm going to be quoting a lot of his interviews here just to make sure that I am accurate, um, is I want to point out some of his mixed messages. So this is leading to leading up to Halloween, but you know, 2002. All right, this is him on Are You Going magazine. His exact quote was, "I feel it's the worst thing any filmmaker can do." And this is his subject on remakes. I actually got a call from my agent, and they asked me if I wanted to be involved in the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I said, "No fucking way." Those movies are perfect, and you're only going to make yourself look like an asshole by remaking them. I remember that. So, exactly. That that was in 2002. In 2003, with DVDtalk.com, he says, remaking films that were already great is kind of stupid. I really don't see the point. Mm -hmm. 2004, bloody disgusting. My first reaction was just to wonder what the point of a remake is. I thought the same when they remade Psycho, and now they're remaking Dawn of the Dead as well. I love the originals so much that I wonder what's the point of doing a remake of these great movies. What do you hope to improve upon? Exactly. Then, yeah, exactly. So you got to understand that leading up to this, when I get the news on June 4th, 2006, that he's hired to remake Halloween – isn't this the same guy who's been for years totally against remakes? Yeah, and he was very vocal about that several times. I, remember, I heard, I've heard him say that several times on hell MTV. They were talking to him, and this is before he ever had any movie deals. Um, when he, I think, this is when he was trying to get One Thousand Corpses put out. 
they were talking to him about what do you feel about this and that reboot this and that. And that's when I heard him say that on TV, you know, I'm like, wow, okay. I get that, you know, and then here we are. <laughs> exactly. So let me jump forward here. We're going to jump forward into 2007. This is just a couple of months before the movie is come, comes out. Premier. And this was, uh, and this was on MTV. Yep. He says, because uh, they ask him, you know, how how did this all come about, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, it was just a meeting that was just that, a meeting. They threw, what about Halloween? Not a remake or a sequel, but just what about it? And then I'm the one who pushed for the remake. Again, what? Yeah, then he said, oh, I've always wanted to redo Halloween. Like, Exactly, huh? exactly. <laughs> So now here here's here's going back to the mixed messages and early interviews covered above Rob did say that bad films should be remade and not classics here's in two, 2002 are you going magazine go remake a piece of shit and make it good but leave the classics as they are so here's my question to you Corey did and here's the question to the audience that's here in the live chat and you guys can answer this, and I'll read them on the air. Did he think that John Carpenter's Halloween 1978 was a piece of shit since he was going to remake it? <laughs> That's kind of what he was insinuating, you know. Exactly. But, you know, and I'm probably going to catch shit for this, but, you know, and there's some of these remakes, and I mean, it's like, yeah, I want to see a fresh take, but then when I see it, it's like, God, this is trash, man. But this is the one I'm going to catch shit for all due respect to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I love what it did for horror, cinema, and shock you know, value back in the day. I love the film for what it is. But I'm sorry. I love the Texas Chainsaw remake from Marcus Nespel. I thought it was creepier, scarier, more raw, and I thought it was a better movie. I mean, that's just my opinion. But like yeah. I said, it's like yeah. asshole. Um, I wanted I wanted Marcus Nispel so bad to be to be the director of Halloween if they were going to reboot it. Yep. So, um, so let let's let's expand on that. Um, Dougie just says in here. He says, "I hope not, but I just think that he did it for the glory and try to make it his own. Didn't turn out that way. That's that's very true. I mean, money talks yep. and bullshit walks and." If, Absolutely. If, if money's talking, Michael Myers is raising up. You know. So. Oh yeah. And um, go ahead. And I get that. You know, and when money gets involved and studios get involved, you're going to change your opinion. I mean, you got to because if not, they're not going to fucking hire you and they're going to sue you. You know, obviously. Um, so I get the, I understand the change of attitude, but on the other side of that, it's a little hypocritical. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah. and here, in various MTV interviews early on. This is back in the early 2000s, and this is also, I mean, anybody that has the 25 years of, of terror DVD from the convention that they did on the, on the Halloween series, he praises Carpenter's Halloween and said it should not be remade. He said that Absolutely. many times. So, okay. Um, so again, in leading up to 2007, his tune changes and begins pointing out all these little flaws with Carpenter's film that doesn't add up and how he didn't really care for Loomis in those films, stating that he seemed crazy or drunk. And he's like, he was just a dramatic tool. And that was from MTV News in 2007. Now he changes his thoughts on remakes. And this is all from MTV.com. 
Remakes are an incredible idea, he says. I had the wrong attitude about them all along, and they can be done better. The remake thing is done all the time, but it's never done very well. Truthfully, if I couldn't see any way to do this, I wouldn't do it because it's a challenging project. And I believe, you know, he probably wouldn't. I think if they would have let him, like you said, not get too Rob Zombie-fied in the movie, but if they let him go more his version of it, I think it would have been a different movie. Um, but I guarantee you the studio, especially when dealing with Michael Myers, wasn't going to let him go full, full-fledged, full have all that control over that series. They weren't going to let him do it. There's no way. Nobody could ever tell me different, you know. Exactly. Um I'm going to read a couple things from the chat room here. Uh, Matt Gross just did a face palm. Uh, Dougie says, just shows his true colors and how arrogant he is. Hannah says, hmm, says one thing and does another. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Dylan Cloud says, some things can be redone and better like songs, but H78 is perfect. Exactly. Uh, So, okay. So this is also... like the year that Halloween comes out. And listen, I get it. You know, he's trying to sell a movie. He's the director of the movie. He's a very, very pop culture phenomenon at this, by this point. So leading up to, he's not going to come on any interview and say, Oh man, you know, this is going to be a shit film and you know, don't go see it. I mean, I get it. I mean, I totally get it. Yeah. He's not going to say I'm here for a paycheck. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, So, this is what he says a few months before Halloween. This is from Icons of Fright, and I'm reading direct quotes here. To me, remakes are about passion and intent. So, again, that's a total contrast to what he said earlier. Yep. Uh, people thought I sold out and I was only doing this for the money. No, I can go on tour and make 10 times the money I made making this movie. It wasn't about money. It was really about wanting to do it, and that's when movies work. I agree with him, and while the interview sounds good and is true, he could have made more money if he had went out on tour, And but Halloween was about making a and inking a two-picture deal with the Weinstein Company, which he did, as a favor, and I put that in quotes, for doing Halloween. So, yes... Halloween, this project for him, was about establishing himself more as a director so he's more in demand. Absolutely. And I've always I've always kind of said that so he can get to basically where his name's more of a, you know, when he's more out there, they'll take a chance with him on doing something that he wants to do. And I believe exactly. that's why I'm Exactly. Because he's done a lot of movies since that they've taken chances on, you know. It was a way for him to definitely sit cement himself into the Hollywood bubble um, that he desired yeah, yeah. to be in. Because you know, nobody so. really took him seriously before that ish, you know. So, but to me, I think he did that with Devil's Rejects. That's just me. I don't think he needed Halloween to establish that. But you know, that's you know, like I said, that's an opinion. Sure. No. You know. Um, Here's an interview from 2004 with Bloody Disgusting. I mean, these are all quotes. I'm just doing this to, to lay out stuff before we really get into the breakdown of the movie. Um, about the iconic horror franchises his music was uh, appearing in, he states, 
to be honest, I really don't give a shit about those movies. If the movie <laughs> is shit, I just take the money and run. So for those that think that the Rob Zombie Halloweens are shit, he just took the money and run. And he didn't yeah. give a shit. <laughs> so he, he took a very carpenter approach to H2 in that latter interview there, you know. Yeah. So to me, Corey, I I, I think now based on that comment, I mean, let's face it, he he just shit on Child's Play cuz you know, he his songs appeared in Child's Play. Yep. Um, appeared in, um, I think there was one that appeared in um, one of the early 2000s movie. I, I cannot remember off the top of my head. Oh, but, his music was in Airheads. Uh, actually, he played in that movie. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, but now, but now he's a liar. He's opportunistic, and he lacks and he lacks artistic integrity at this point. <laughs> right. Which, when uh, money talks, that tends to go out the door. Unfortunately, you know. Yeah, uh, Tara Peters, welcome, welcome. By the way, Tara Peters uh, says it wouldn't have been so bad if he didn't make every fucking movie he does white trash. We'll get there. We'll get there. Where I, yeah, I we'll, we'll say that. Get there. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to get there. Um, more flip flopping. The Cinema Source from dot uh, com from two thousand seven. He says about Michael Myers that he will not be explained. I didn't want him to have a terrible childhood. Because when it comes down to it, he should just be evil. Yeah, that's what made him mysterious. Hello. Right. So we all know how that turned out, and we're going to get there here in a minute because he flip-flops on that statement again. Again. So um, 2007, Icons of Fright. Well, I wanted to get a glimpse of his life, but everything that would make him that person is completely unexplainable. You can't go, oh, this happened, so he's like that. No, the entire point was I wanted to set him in a lower class situation because it doesn't matter if he grew up in a rich family or a poor family. He's just a psycho. Then, from the set of MTV, they were doing like a behind-the-scenes special. So remember this quote um, up above where I, where I quoted from the cinema source where he says, he will not be explained. I didn't want him to have a terrible childhood because when it comes down to it, he should just be evil. Now, here we go. From the set of MTV, Michael needs to be motivated and explained. It's just never random killing for no reason. There needs to be a reason for everything he does. You there? Yeah, I'm still listening, dude. Oh, yeah. So what's, what's your comment there? Anything? Yeah, you know, and it's like, and that's what really confused me a lot was with the flip-flops and everything. So I really didn't know what to, what to think at that point because everything was so up and down with him. So it was like, you want to see a backstory, you don't want to see a backstory. And to me, man, that's what makes how, that's what made Michael Myers more creepy is not knowing. That's just that's why Halloween one, the original 78 worked is because you didn't see him. You didn't know what his backstory was. You knew somewhat he killed his sister at a young age and they locked him up. That's it. You didn't know why, you know, there was a mysteriousness to that. I don't want to know that he was in a white trash family with some shit talking, you know, wannabe stepfather in the place there that would, you know, make him flip it on tear. I didn't want to know that, you know, I get what he was trying to do, but it just did not work for the movie, you know, for me. Man, that bitch got a nice little dumper. 
Oh, God. And that was Jenny, <laughs> matter of fact. Remember Jenny from yeah. Forrest Gump? That oh, was yeah. the young Jenny. Yep. Nice yeah. tits, too, by the way. Yeah, she was. She's. She grew up. I'll give her that. <laughs> so did I. I, I anyway, um, from Icons of Fright, um, 2007. This was uh, when he's talking about the fans. He shits on the fans here. Oh yeah. So this this should tell all the Halloween fans what he thinks about all of us. In pre-production, I didn't look at anything because I don't care. You're so focused on what you're trying to do that it just doesn't matter. The only way to make your movie is to have a vision of what you want and have to be so single-minded that you don't give a fucking shit about what anyone thinks. Yep. Okay, here's, here's where that rubs me wrong. He was given the keys to a Halloween franchise that has a built-in fan base. Yep. This wasn't... House of a Thousand Corpses. This wasn't Devil's Rejects. This isn't. This wasn't Three from Hell. This was an established at that time, almost thirty-year franchise that he is remaking. So, you saying that you have to be single-minded and make it yours and have a vision and don't give a shit what anyone thinks? Well, then you shouldn't. You shouldn't be remaking a classic. Period. Right. Exactly. Oh, okay. So yeah, once we get past the up up and down of it. <laughs> it's just I had I had to include that in this episode because when I was doing my research for this for this episode, I'm just going, what the fuck, man? I mean that, that that's some pretty mishmash, up and down, back and forth. Not ever know. I'm just going, what the fuck, dude? I'm like, you didn't even know what you wanted to do. You you sold out. Period. Yep. Exactly. All right. On, on. Uh, let's let's talk about the release, and, and and let's talk about first of all, like when I saw the trailer. When I saw the trailer, I was pretty excited about it. I was. Oh yeah, like, it psyched me up, man. Yeah, like the like the trailer was great. Um, what did you think about the first time you saw it? The first time I saw it. I saw that trailer and I was like, man, I like how they did this trailer and arranged it. They didn't show Myers until you saw the little brief glimpse of his mask for like a flash of the light. And when I saw that, man, it was just like, fuck, man, goosebumps. You know, we're seeing our you know favorite villain back. You know, he's finally back after this drought that we've had for years. And... We got a new guy at the helm, a new, you know, a new new start to the series. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. You know, I was really, I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect, and I, I, I wished I could go back to that. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, every every suspenseful thing or or good thing that you could be surprised about in a movie theater, I mean, it's it's ruined for you in the trailer now. Yeah, like back then they didn't really show a lot, and now they show too much. Hell, fucking trailers got teasers now. Teaser. I mean, what the hell? I mean, either give me a damn trailer or, or go home. Now we got a pre-teaser. We got a teaser of the trailer of the trailer. And then we got a, you know, it's like, come on, man. This is just getting stupid, you know. I don't want to see a teaser. I don't know what this teaser shit, what brought that on. But back in the day, we had one trailer. That was it, you know. Not umpteen ten different trailers that are going to, 
have to show something different to keep the audience intrigued, which back then yeah. not knowing was the best thing. I don't want to know too much because if you told me, tell me too much, I want to know what's coming and I don't like that. And know? now it's like, I'm not trying to shit on anyone that's listening to this. And if you're one of these people and you think I'm talking directly to you, there's 6 billion people in the world. And I'm, you know, I'm talking about more than just whoever thinks that this is about them. You're not that fucking important. I'm sorry, but this is a, this is a thing in general, you know, is especially nowadays. And, and I have hammered this and people that have heard me hammer this are going to go, Oh God, he's talking about this again. Fuck it. I don't care. You know, this is me and you back together for the first time. And yeah, we're for, you know, this is our opinions. You know, they're like assholes. We, you know, we're, we're allowed to have our opinions. Guess what? And this is something society needs to learn right now. Exactly. Um, so you can have different opinions and respect each other and be friends still. Well, you know, nowadays, as long as Michael Myers is back on screen, people whip their dick outs and beat all over that. I mean, they'll red rocket that bitch to the mood and sling yogurt everywhere. They don't give a fuck what the content is. They don't give a shit. Yeah, they just they want just, to see him on screen. Like, oh my god, Michael Myers. Oh, let me beat off. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. And and then you know, and then at that point. It's like, did you even look at the context? Like, I questioned the mask when it was released on the poster for for 2018, and people thought I punched their fucking aging grandmother in the face. Yeah, they you did. know. And I'm like, Jesus Christ! I mean, it's an opinion. It has cracks on it. Didn't we see that through two Rob Zombie films ten years ago? Exactly. I mean, come on, man! It's like, can in in my mind because I was so tired of seeing that look that i'm just like can we get something different now can we not go with an aged look and people were like yeah but it's not it's not rob zombie it's it's you know it might have this and it might have that i'm like i'm not saying it's an exact fucking replica of the film or of the mask used in that film but you still aged it with cracks and that it was deteriorating. Did you not? Isn't that what, what was going on in the, in the Rob Zombie franchise is yeah, that the mask was rotting under yeah, floorboards. That was the Wayne Toth look uh, that Wayne Toth, you know, so gener- you know, amazingly did back then uh, to me, it was just a, a theft off his design. It, you know, granted, like I said, I like the new one, but like you said, on the other side of that, I wanted to see something new as well, you know, like, what are the odds to that mask? Okay, look at latex nowadays. That's, that mask, the odds of that mask even looking somewhat even near that, you know, 30-some-odd years later in history is next to impossible. You know what I mean? Let's be real, you know. Aaron says the people that you're talking about would trade their grandmother for a mask. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on in the chat room, guys. I'm I'm sorry, like, um, yeah, Aaron. Yeah, um, if if you see something that you want to call out, please do it um, because I'm I'm terrible at this. Um, but but everything nowadays is epic and great, and it's just like you lost sight of what the what the meaning of those fucking words even are. You know, we accept mm-hmm. we accept mediocre or decent or entertaining as amazing, and it's just like that's why they don't push the bar to try and entertain you anymore because you'll gobble up any fucking meal that they feed. I'll just stop there. I mean, people can fill in the blanks, whatever with whatever they want, you know, I'm I'm going to stop there. Well, the the whole saying is take my money now, you know, that's, that's the mindset of a lot of people. Um, Yeah. But yeah, you know, 
like you said, man, you know, we could go on 2018 for years, but we're, we're just trying to go off the concept of, you know, of the, the rotting RV mask, yeah, of the rotting yeah. mask, you know, that's, yeah, but, so, yeah. but, on, but honestly, that was the one thing, like, like when it first came out, uh, I, I, I've, I've said this, Hannah's heard me say it, you've heard me say it, uh, Honeycutt's actually the one that brought it up. When we were like, when you were first wearing that mask, he goes, "Hey, look, it's a it's a rotting Ted Danson." So the mask looks like Ted Danson to, to it. It does to look now. like Ted Danson. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. For, for for those of here that don't know who Ted Danson is, just Google search that and picture Rob picture the Rob Zombie mask. It is totally Ted Danson. Oh yeah, very much. Yeah. So. But I definitely, I definitely like the look for Rob Zombie's universe. Period. Yeah, it, it fit that. It fit that time. It fit that movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. So, all right. So the movie's released on um, August thirty first, two thousand seven. It uh, had a run of eighty million dollars in the box office. So you had to know that uh, eventually Zombie was going to spread his legs and uh, milk himself like a whore. Uh, for the for the sequel. Now that's and, a visual. Exactly. So, um, what did you think when you first went into the theater and you saw it for the first time? Well, let's see. That when it first came out, I was probably drinking my ass off that day, if I remember right. And I remember watching it. And I got out of the theater, and, you know, I did like it, but, you know, I was one of those things, I was one of those movies I saw when it was over with. I really didn't have much to say. Like, I don't know if it just hit me that it was so different or it was different than I expected um, or it was just so much of a different take. I don't know. It was like a combination of all those things. And at, when I first saw the movie, I dug it as a different take. But – as with time and age and maturity come, that movie has not aged well. I, I watched it before we got on the show tonight, and I'm just like, man, I don't feel now as I felt about, about you know, the way I felt about it then was different than I feel now. You know, there's a lot of cool things he did. I love the approach. I liked how aggressive he was. I didn't like that he made noise, though. That was my biggest turnoff with Michael Myers. Yeah, you heard him breathe, but that's you're going to hear that. You never heard him grunt, really. You never heard him get loud. You never heard him get vocal through his movements. He was always the shape, the reaper, the shadow in the dark. And to me, he it took away from that. So that's kind of why I got that opinion. I'm like, man, I really don't know what to think. He didn't do it to the degree to the degree he did in H two, which we'll get there eventually. Oh God! But we'll, well, that's another conversation. Yeah. But. I didn't like how aggressive he was. Like when Michael got shot and stabbed and everything, you just heard him like him exhaling. That's it. That was the only thing that made him seem like a human. Other than that, he was deaf on two legs as Dr. Loomis so eloquently said, um, that lost that, you know, it made him, I guess more human. I didn't want to see him human because that's what makes him scary, you know, and the white trash stuff. That a lot of people go back to, they're definitely right. You know, with like William Forsyth, great actor, very great actor. I love that dude. But his character in that movie was definitely really not warranted. I mean, I get why they needed to set the pretense of what turned Michael into Michael, but it just didn't, it, it wasn't needed. 
that whole what? You know. Well, as Chris, well, as Chris Rock said one time, whatever happened to crazy? Whatever just happened to crazy? Why you do know? we need a reason? You know exactly. How you know, how how about we just do crazy? You know. Look, yep. You don't, you don't need an explanation. And that's what made Hannibal Lecter scary in the beginning. There was no backstory, nothing. You know. Yeah, I mean, you know the 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 big the biggest thing was. Every character in there was so unlikable. <laughs> that yeah. was the other thing. It's like, do you know how, I, I, and I'm going to use wrestling terms here, but do you know how to direct baby faces and heels? I mean, do you know how to take your, your, your main star that you want us to root for and make her likable? I mean, the first time we meet Laurie Strode in this universe, she's, Finger fucking a bagel. A bagel, yep. And you know what's funny you saying that? Um, I remember watching behind the scenes for a thousand corpses on the DVD, and Rob was talking about previous horror films like that are getting made that are trash. That he says these characters that these directors and writers put out are faceless characters. Eventually, when you make faceless this, faceless that, you're not going to feel anything for your characters. You're going to have a faceless movie. And then here he is doing the same damn thing. Like you couldn't relate with really. Not too many of them, besides maybe Laurie a little bit and her and Christina Klebe's character. Um, that was really it. Nice and, snatch too. Oh, you know, and um, but yeah, you know, there was really well, most of the characters you just wanted to see them die, you know, <laughs> at yep. that point. Especially like um, William Forsythe, I was glad to see him get killed. Michael Vincent Kennedy McMahon asked, um, "Have you ever fucked finger fucked a bagel though? Have you? No." Can't say I have. I, I haven't either. I've I've tried to put my dick in one once, but it ripped. Yeah, I don't know about all that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Definitely no American Pie moments for me, man. Yeah. <laughs> Big boy. Big boy. Big boy. Yeah. You got the cream cheese. <laughs> you have the big boy muscles. Oh, the big boy. Ooh, oh, you God. have the big muscles too. <laughs> But yeah, you know, it's like, I mean, I like I like that movie. It had a lot of cool shit that I did like, and other shit that I didn't. But you know, that's every movie nowadays. There's going to be shit I do like, and that's shit I don't like. And that's really my opinion on the first one. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either. It was just kind of like you said. It's just, it's the next installment, and this is all we got. So we got to love it type of thing. That's the opinion everybody has to take, you know. To me, so. I, I'm... I'm going to talk about the goods and, and the bads here. Uh, let me just get the bads out of the way. T to me, it felt like a House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, trying to be Halloween. Yeah, I can see that. So, you know, going back to what I said earlier about Rob's direction, um, him directing music videos, quick, fast pace, in your face, type stuff which is you know the handheld shaky movement camera zoom in rack focus all this stuff that made it famous for his music videos he was trying to do it in long feature films and yeah as i was saying before i think that his storytelling is very very uneven to this day he still hasn't learned the art of storytelling and to build through a three-act structure yeah, that's that's my problem with with a lot of it. 
Um, the other part is is I use fuck like it's a punctuation. So language doesn't bother me when it makes sense. Yeah, when it's overdone, it's like, come on, you know, I cuss yes. like a sailor too. Ab- yes. you know, obviously. My my questions in his films are always who talks like that? And I hang out with a lot of people that, like me, use fuck as a punctuation mark, and they don't even cuss that much. Yeah, you and I both grew up in the late 70s and the 80s, and I grew up around bikers and freaking in bars because my uncle was always on bars. And um, so I was around some unsavory people and some very savory people. But I, like you said, I've never really heard anybody to that degree. I mean, even bikers, I mean, they're a little bit more cool, calm, and collective than what he puts off in these movies. Like, I get I get your point, man. But, like, like Richard Brake in the second Halloween in the truck after they hit the cow, you know, do we really need to hear 15 fucks? You know, I get if that's the character, but, like, to, you just got smashed in the face and probably almost crushed. Last thing's coming out of your mouth is a fucking word. Because I don't know if you've been in pain. I've been in pain. I'm not talking. I mean, I'm maybe grunting and crying and this and that, but I'm not going to sit there and say fuck a hundred times either, you know? <laughs> right. Or, you know, um, Sherry Moon Zombie. Say it to my fucking face, Ronnie. Say it to my fucking face. And it's like, yeah. who says that over and over again? I, I, then you go to your kid's school and, like, I know it seems like you know we uh we're not picking you out of the head. It sure seems like you fucking do. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You get hold of your fucking school principal. Exactly, and I, I mean, and then the kids coming in and bullying young Michael in the bathroom, and I'm just like, okay, you just put a bunch of vulgarity in here just for vulgarity's sake. Yeah, kids. I mean, granted, we were all teenagers at one point. We didn't talk like that. We knew better because we were afraid somebody was going to fucking hear us. You know, you didn't talk like that in school. Because if you did get heard saying some shit like that, your ass was in trouble. Then you had to go home and deal with the consequences, you know. Right. So we, we knew better, especially in that time era, you know. Well, the other, well, the other thing is, too, is like, you know, um, just talking about young Michael for a second. And like what I was saying earlier about zombies – direction style like i like his visuals love his visuals even i i mean and i'm gonna talk about the pros here in a second so let me just not get off track let, let me finish this thought the first example when, when i said this movie's fucked uh was when young michael gets the bully in the woods and like i said earlier rob zombie does not know how to do something once twice Maybe three times. No, he's got to keep fucking hammering it into your head. Yep. To prove a point that I guess that he can do. I don't know. I and the man's weird, but he, he likes but, the brutality. As, right, you know. I, and it's and I have no problem with brutality, but it's like okay, I I get it. Right. Okay. You you've hit him in the face now ten times. I get it. I get it. I got yeah. it after the second one that this kid was toast. How about he gets hit in the knees, the kid goes down, begs for his life, gets whacked in the head, he pulls the mask on, whacks him one more time, and we cut away, and we're on to the next scene. Yeah. And that's Why did not we like, need... 
why did we need this shot after shot after shot after shot? It's like in H2 when, you know, the guy saying Stand fuck. Nurse. That too. But when the guy's saying fuck for 90 seconds, why did we need 180 fucks in a minute and a half? We needed yep. four tops. And when he kept saying that, I was like, man, I hope Michael wakes up and just jerks his fucking head off. And I was applauding when they when he finally got killed, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. Um, let me talk about the pros here for a second. Um, I loved I loved the visuals. Obviously, he had a great DP, which when he changed DPs for H2, he said that he didn't care for the cinematography in H1, didn't like his DP. He trashed his DP from the first one. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That was one of the best things about the first one. You're mm -hmm. an idiot. So... Number two, I loved the return to a lot of the classic themes that were updated by Tyler Bates. Love that. Yes. Very good score. Yes, I agree. And I'm like, if it, if it had to be modernized, they did a great job. Love the fact that it, that it had the four main Halloween themes in there. And R Zombie went on to later on say that that was one of the things he hated about about the film is he had to include this. I'm like, motherfucker, are, are, are you serious? That's what set the atmosphere for me was the fresh take on the music, the original without killing the original, but making it his own. Like it was very raw and rugged and creepy. Like I dug it, you know, and that's like you said, that's one of the better parts of the movie and what set the atmosphere. I don't know why you would doubt that whatsoever, you know? Yeah. That first shot, like when, when the theme hits and, Michael's wa watching and then starts stalking uh, that bully out to the woods in the themes plan. I'm like, I had goosebumps, you know, I'm like, this is okay. I'm like, I can, I can deal with this. Then the stalk theme when he's chasing uh, his oh, sister. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Oh, man. It was so raw and unnerving. Like it was like, like somebody, like your nerve was exposed and somebody was flicking it with a knife at that point when he was chasing her down. It's like, holy shit, man. This is brutal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but visually lighting, uh, the fact that it did look like, uh, I mean, definitely, definitely when it got nighttime, but even, even in during the day, the way they were able to make it very atmospheric, uh, um, yeah. like the fall and it looked good. It had the, those golden hues to it had a lot of, uh, pale golds in there, browns and oranges, and you had the leaves in there. And then when you got to the nighttime, you had a take on the blue lighting, but it was a little bit of a different blue. And then you could see the leaves blowing. I'm like, okay, I dig this. This is what I'm talking about where I'm like, the guy is a genius of visuals. He just can't write a script or, or tell a cohesive story visually. Yes. Because he I think doesn't he always know has a when general, to pull out. Exactly. Like, I think he has a general idea, but I don't know. It's like you said, I don't know if he knows when to stop, push the stop button. Let's let's take a look back. I don't think, like, it's like there's no restraint there. And, and part of that's what made some of his earlier movies good is because it worked for those characters in those movies because we didn't know them. But that being said, we're going into a set franchise that has a set fan base. Don't try to deviate that bad you know you got a pretense stick with it but make it your own you know 
Well, um, I remember going in there on opening day. I, I saw it twice. Me too. Um, because I knew I was going to see it twice because my friend Dave that I did a episode with um, on the 2018 release, we got together. We saw each other for the first time in 10 years, which was cool. But um, but anyway, we we had been drinking. Like we started drinking like nine o'clock in the morning and Oh, I remember this story. <laughs> yeah. So I walk into a pack theater and for those that haven't heard this story, or you know, this is this is actually pretty funny. Um by this point, Danielle Harris was you know, twenty eight, thirty. And we hadn't seen her in years. Exactly. So she's all grown up. I am three sheets of the wind, and here, here we go. I'm sitting in the theater watching her about to get just fucking tossed up, man, and I hear her say the words, you want to fuck me, and I stand up drunk, and I say, yeah, I do, and as loud as I could, and the whole theater cracked up. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, you know, it was an intense scene. You had to get into it. You know, you were feeling it. I was feeling it all right. Or you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, I was feeling it. I was feeling it. <laughs> Tara Peter says she has no tits. I agree, but I didn't give a fuck. You know, when yeah, she we, says, do you want to fuck me? I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, man. I'll never forget just the unpleasantness in the theater at that time when she was saying that, like, you know, I'm in Memphis, so, you know, Southern people are raised, you know, a little different, you know, because I guess maybe more stricter families, maybe, I don't know. But it's just like the movie theater got quiet, you know, and it was just like crickets. I was waiting for somebody to say something, but it never came, you know. And then everybody just kind of looked at each other when it was over, like they had just been through a fucking bad story or something, you know. <laughs> Matt Gross says, I wish I was in that theater. And then Brady says, she's so hot. I, I still always have a soft spot for Danielle Harris because, you know, I mean, what she's done in the, in, for the Halloween series and who she was. And I hate that she was written off so bad, but that usually happens when you start bashing your directors and your studios, um, yeah. unfortunately. But, you know, that's another subject. But, yeah, you know, I've, I've always had a soft spot for her. You know, you know she's, you've met her in person. I'm sure you could tell a few stories. Oh, I could, but I'm. I'll save that for another time. But yeah, I mean, exactly. She, like, even with the black rim glasses, Dylan says in here, especially with the blonde. Yeah, with the blonde. You know, I don't know. She just looks like. I mean, I understand. I'm not 25 anymore either. I get that. I'm. I'm 41, about to be 42. I get it. But at the same time, I don't look like I've been road hard and hung up wet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, she's gotten a lot of Botox, too. You can see it in her face. Like, I guess she tried to correct that crooked eyebrow or something. and it She should have left it. Yeah, and that's what made her her. You know, that was her unique thing. But, yeah, she's done so much work to her face now because of that. I'm just like, man, why don't you just leave yourself alone? You're pretty as you were, but, you know, that's just me. Because you see her now compared to when she did RZ's H1. She looks night and day, man, like night and day. I know she was hot, but Hannah S says only forty one. Cool, cool. Please, please elaborate on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm forty one, so <laughs> yeah. She and I are the same age. Yeah. So um, anyway, um, 
is there anything you want to say or do you want to give other people a chance to yeah let's get some people to chime in here man come on people let's uh let's have some conversations here we'd like to hear your opinions as well you know don't be shy and you know step in and say what you say we'd like to hear your opinions you know so absolutely call in you know yeah, so if anybody wants to talk uh, Rob Zombie Halloween, what you like, what you didn't like. Um, what you, you know, thought when you saw it, you know. Exactly. You know, just put in the chat room that you would like to, that you would like to call in. I'll unmute you. Um, and um, Dylan, Dylan's our first one, so we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll unmute him. And here we go. Take it away, sir. Hey, Chris. What's up, buddy? How y'all doing? Going, hey, Corey. How you doing? Um, yeah, I know we've been talking about it a lot in the chat. Um, you know, I, and I very vividly remember the first time I saw the trailer. You know, I guess what you know, spring of '07 when it was announced, and I I figured it was going to be like a follow up to Resurrection before right. I knew what, exactly what it was. Um, and the first time I watched it, I wa- I I didn't see it in theaters. It was probably a good year afterward. And I watched the the unrated version with with all the extra crazy shit, and I didn't hate it as much as I do now. But looking back now, after studying the franchise a bit more, like like you said, the cinematography is great. It's shot very well. Very. I just feel like, you know, for him to walk around and say he did a better movie when half of the movie is just copied and pasted, like literally the whole format of the movie is the fucking same, you know literally them walking down the same street, having the same conversation. And he just made the character so unlikable. Like when Annie yells, what are you going to do, asshole? My, my, sh- my daddy's the sheriff. You know? Yeah. My daddy's the fucking sheriff. My daddy's the fucking sheriff, you know? <laughs> yeah, that. that was not needed at all, you know? And and no offense to the to the girl that, that played Linda, because I met her at Days of the Dead, and she was very She's nice. sweetheart. But, sweetheart. But, uh, yeah, Christina Clibbs. Awesome. Very, very sweet. I hated I the way her. her character was written. And, and again, and that's no fault. I love the way she was killed. She was naked and she. That amazing. was great. But Tyler Maine was a great, he's a great guy. I met him too. He's very nice. Uh, Scout yeah. Taylor Compton. It's none of the individual ingredients made it bad. It was the guy in the kitchen putting them all together. And he did a fucking terrible job. Like it's some things were, I think, accidentally kind of done right. Like you can't have Malcolm McDowell in a movie and have him do a bad job. Yeah, he's a phenomenal actor, no matter what he does. As a matter of fact, you hear a lot of the actors and actresses talk about Malcolm McDowell. They said he was a cut-up in that whole movie. Like, they had to cut so many scenes because he would start joking around because Malcolm McDowell went there to have fun. He didn't give a shit either or. And you see that in a lot of his performance, you know. And see, again, I, the way his character was written, but he did it very well. He did. Well, see the well, see the thing is, is yeah, he was a little quirky at times, and in, in the first one, but people have their own opinions on him. But I still could relate to him in the first one, and yes. by the time they got to part two, I'm like, he, he, they totally just took a ruined. shit, took a shit all over that character. They did. They ruined Loomis, and that pissed me off. The whole fucking weird Al scene. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even really? find a redeemable thing about the second one. You know, there, there's zero qualities about it I like other than, I mean, Brad LeRae. I mean, I love watching him in anything, but, I mean, he, he I don't think he did good as Brackett. Not not his fault, of course, but uh, it's just one of them things. Like, there, that had nothing redeemable. The first one had some good qualities there because he he was obligated to do 
certain things like you guys said with the score, but it's it's the unnecessary brutality, the white trash things. It, it, and I will say I can watch that more than I can watch 2018, but it's certainly very low on my list. It's below Resurrection. It's below five. You know, it, it's down there. Um, yeah, it hasn't aged very well at all. You know, It hasn't. And, again, I, I think, and this goes for anything, backstory isn't that necessary. Um, I Especially think when it comes to killer. And I can't remember the, the guy's name, um, but the guy in Resurrection with the black hair that says, you know, Michael is that, that urge we all have to stab the old lady taking too long in the checkout, you know. Oh, um, I, nice legs. What time do they open? Would that exactly. Be is that one o'clock? Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think Rob Zombie would shit on screen. Uh, Andrew, yeah, probably he would. He'd probably think he could do that better too. Um, but yeah, no. for him to say he did better than the originals, yeah, that's a bold fucking statement. You now, know? And I can understand why he doesn't like John Carpenter as a person because he's a shitty person, but he made a great movie. And, but so is oh, Rob yeah. Zombie. Um, yeah, Rob Zombie's a shitty person. He makes shitty music. He makes shitty movies. And of course, that's my opinion. But unless, You're entitled oh, yeah. to it. You're entitled to it. Yeah, for uh, sure. Unless he's with uh, Marilyn Manson, I don't like anything musically he does. But, I mean, like, you know, it's got its moments. I guess the movie does. But, you know, I don't know. I feel like you could take all those same ingredients. You know, you had Danny Trejo and Malcolm McDowell and all these great actors and all these great people working on it. And you could have made it. It had so much potential. Like if you were to line it up with the Nightmare on Elm Street and the Texas remake and the Friday the Thirteenth, I think it's at the bottom. You know, of that whole seven, ten year span of remaking movies. And I guess you can throw Scream Four in there too. It's at the bottom of the list for me as far yeah, as remake goes. I agree because I'm gonna well, tell you, man. A lot of people give me shit for liking the Friday the Thirteenth remake, and I'm sorry. I like Marcus Dispel's work. I just like his style. I don't know what it is about him. But he's got a style to his own, you know. But he executes very well, whereas Rob doesn't, you know. Right. Um, but that has to go down, like what you said, Rob not being very experienced and not wanting to do it for passion reasons. And he hasn't learned. That's the other problem. Is because yeah. you got studios handing them literally millions and millions of dollars, saying, "Go out there and make it a, make it more Rob Zombie," which is what they told him to do on this one. Oh, he definitely did that for sure. But. You know, that's like, you know, you said something very, very, um, you know, that I've been saying. It's like, you know, it had so much potential. Yes, H18 had so much potential. Uh, both Rob Zombie's film has had so much potential. Resurrection had so much potential. H2O, and it's like it can keep going back. That's why I keep saying, and people can disagree with me all they want, but the last really good Halloween film that it really felt like Halloween was Halloween 4. I yeah, four, 4 and 6 had that feeling to me. Um, seeing 6 originally in the theaters, I know Chris has it as well. Um, that movie really had an atmosphere to its own as well. You know, right? And, it felt like fall. You know, like yeah. And that's the thing when I watch a, a a Halloween movie, I want it to feel like fall. And yes. I think four and six, like y'all said, do that so well with the the leaves and salt and salt, especially in Salt Lake, because that's such a good venue to uh, shoot a movie. I never really Absolutely. felt that way in in uh, the Rob Zombie ones. It just felt like a summer party to me, kind of. See, yeah. I'll I'll disagree with that because I, I felt like that was the one thing that they did very well in Rob Zombies. I was like, okay, does it does it the hit first, the mark? Yeah. Does it hit the mark like six did for me for the atmosphere? No, but does it 
feel better than most of the films in the franchise? Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's not because like visually it had the Halloween feel to it, but it had, it had a Halloween feel with a Rob Zombie twist to it, if that makes sense. And to me, like I said, his visuals, I've never had an issue with his visuals. I always, I always had like his visuals to me represent kind of like, the like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre visual to me, you know, and that's yeah. a cool visual. And so I don't, I don't have an issue with, with the atmosphere in the film. I think that was one of its strong points. I think that where the film really fell, fell flat was that they tried to, like you said, paste on John Carpenter's movie. They retold it almost the exact same way, but they just didn't do it as well. Right, and, and I'll amend that slightly. Uh, when when he and when young Michael's sitting outside in the beginning when Nazareth is playing, one that's well, that hurts, part yeah. of the movie. That hurts. Um, yeah. but that's exactly what I was going to say. I, I can feel the cold air for some reason when that when the wind's blowing on him and he's sitting out there eating the candy. I don't know yeah. why that, that's got a very good atmosphere to that scene. It's probably and I love that song. It's my favorite part of the movie. But yeah, like you felt his anguish right there. You know his let how let down he was. You felt that moment like that was one thing they did right like you felt his disappointment and what pushed him right there at that moment right there you know i felt for the kid but then you know it's it's you know and again i it's the thing it's the whole don shanks thing and again this isn't his or tyler main's fault or anyone that's a big person but i feel like when you make him when the fear from him is just how physically imposing he is i feel like that's too one-dimensional you know like i agree you know, yeah, like I, if I saw Ronda Rousey on the street. I'm not going to fuck with her. She's five six and can bend me like a pretzel. But <laughs> it, it's you know, if I see a seven foot tall guy on the street, I'm not going to fuck with him either because he's got the physical prowess. But again, that's a little more one dimensional. Not that yeah. Tyler Maine didn't. You know, he had he had a great feel as Myers to him. He, he yeah, excellently. And you know, he wasn't. I don't think overly aggressive in the first one, at least. But he's no. fucking tall, you know. He doesn't. Nick Castle six foot fucking tall. It's it, it it can be done with a smaller guy. Yeah, actually, uh, Nick Castle is five foot ten, and Dick Warlock is even shorter than him at five foot nine. Exactly. I'm taller than both of them, and I'm a buck fifty soaking wet. You know. But you know, you. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like. But the, but the way they shot those movies, movies, they made them look very menacing. I guess. You know. Which I, I, you know, I totally agree. When you have to go off the bulk of somebody, but you know, like Jason Voorhees, take for instance, we know he's a big bulky bastard because he's a corn-fed country boy that lives off the, you know, the woods, and that's who he is. But that was never really Michael Myers, you know. Exactly. But George Wilbur was a big Jason, guy. He's consistently been about the same size. Right. He ate a lot of dogs. Ate a lot, oh, yeah. ate a lot, a lot of dogs. Dog. And, he loved Chinese his, food, man. His little you know? wooden shack. Um, but I'll get off here, guys. Let someone else get on here. But yeah, uh, well, thanks much. for calling in, dude. Um, yeah, uh, the first one was I'll, I'll give it a five out of ten because it because half of it was just John Carpenter's movie, and I will right. never watch the second one again. Watched it once, never watching it again. Right. So, <laughs> so the White Horse was not for you, huh? Not in the slightest. And also, I know they couldn't have Doug back in the second one because he was much older and taller. But that's that continuity shit that I hate. You know, like. That I can't stand is that it's so obviously not Doug. It's some other kid that bugs the fuck out of me. Yeah, when you switch characters like that, it was so bad. Like you know? if, you, if you knew you were shooting two movies, just shoot his fucking scenes for the next one while you have him. Yeah. Well, 
I'm going to cover what Rob said about uh, part two. Let, let me just go ahead and do that now while, while we're talking about this, and this will be the brief thing. After, after the first one came out, he says, I'll never do another one. And this is with Icons of Fright and with MTV. I'll never do another one. You know, I wanted to do that one film, that one film only, and that was it. I have no interest in doing an, uh, in doing any more Halloween movies. Then, just because he's uh, he's Rob Zombie, and we've already established a pattern throughout the last hour, um, on the behind the scenes of H two. He changes his tune once again. He says, well, it all started at the Scream Awards. And I asked Matt Stein how H2 was going. Because he says to me, not good, Rob, not good. So I say, well, I really want to do it, and I would be on board. Just let me know if you need help. And I'm going, what? You just spent the last year dogging the shit out of never wanting to do another Halloween film. And now all of a sudden... I was on board and I was wanting to do it. Come on, dude. Like pick pick a fucking lane and stay. You in can it. flip-flop right. opinions once or twice, but if it's nonstop, that just makes you look like an asshole, you know. It's in my favorite line of Wolf of Wall Street, money talks and bullshit takes the bus. If you're just yep. about the money, just fucking admit it, you know. Don't don't bullshit it cuz you know, it, it just makes you look bad. And you know, it's funny you said that because I'll never forget watching H2 in the theaters. I was married at the point, and my wife was very opinionated about movies just like I was. So me and her had a real deep conversation after we saw H2. And I honestly thought, this this is how what I thought about Rob Zombie at this point doing H2. Is, you know, I'm like, you know what? I bet he just said, fuck this movie like uh, as an ode to Carpenter to H2. Because Carpenter didn't want to do H2. <laughs> he wanted nothing to do with it. He said, I did mine, but he actually came out and said, I'm just here for a fucking paycheck. And he said that, and he has no problem admitting that to the fans. He said, I didn't give a shit about the series. I wrote the fucking script when I was drunk. And I truly believe that's what Rob Zombie did for H2. You know? I, I think you're completely right there. And I like, the, the only part of H2 that I like is the hospital scene. That I think everybody of- will agree with that. The hospital scene was creepy. I didn't like the overkilling of the nurse and him grunting and, and all that shit. But that's <laughs> another story. I didn't oh, want yeah, to hear Michael. The thing out there with the shit was great. That was, I think, that was really well done. Yeah, the hospital scene until he started grunting was creepy ass shit. I will fucking say that till the day. But after that, it's full tilt acid trip. No thanks. <laughs> Max. And it was shot on sixteen millimeter and not thirty-five. Yeah, I, I heard that. Yep. Wow. But uh, thanks for having me on, guys. I'll let someone else get on here. Y'all take it easy. No problem, man. Thanks Thanks. for calling. All right, man. Well, next we got up Hannah. Hannah, I'm going to unmute you, and you're live as soon as I find your name. Where are you at? (laughs) How's it going, Hannah? Hey, is it working? It's working. working. Oh, okay. Cool. Welcome aboard. Thank you. You're welcome. So... Everything that's wrong with uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween films. Where do I start? <sighs> okay, so like I said, I went in. I was binging all the Halloween movies on YouTube at the time uh, when I first started watching them. And then once I finished uh, eight, I was like, oh, man, 
I was like, what am I going to do now? You know, I was really sad. And then I said, oh, you know, they have remakes. Oh, I got to watch this. You know, this has got to be good. I didn't know anything about <laughs> the content. So you can imagine my disappointment. Come on, you know? man. So, right. <laughs> so I, w- I went in there and I went ahead and started watching it. And I'm like, okay, this is a little weird. And uh, seeing the whole backstory thing. And I mean, I, I don't care what anybody says about H1 being a lot better than H2. In my opinion, they're both shitty. Because can, it was can, like can, biggest... can I pause you right there? Yes. It's like having diarrhea or soft shit. It's still shit. <laughs> yeah, shit is shit. So, so basically, you know, when when I seen uh, the first one, I was like, oh my god, this backstory is is it's so fucking cringy, and it's like, you know, it, it's every stereotype that you would think of how a serial killer, you know, becomes a serial killer. He gets bullied. He um, has a shitty home life. You know, he starts out by killing small animals. You know, he's like overly emotional and it's like, what is this? You know? And it, it, I was like, okay, this is obviously happening. It's he's going to turn into a serial killer. Everyone can see this happening. You know, it's so predictable. It ruins the mystery of Michael Myers, which is what exactly. everybody loves about Michael Myers. You know, it's, it's what he's iconic for his, you know, yeah. no motive, if, you know, no reason. If so, I wanted to see no a reason. behavioral science movie, I'd go watch Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. No reason. No understanding well, as Dr. Loomis well, said in 1978, you know, but he was so emotional in my opinion. Like people were like, well, he was just brutal and, and, and he was really rough and everything, but he was angry. Like you could tell, you could tell he was angry and anger is an emotion. So Michael Myers is not supposed to be like overly emotional like that. No and, emotion. Yeah. And he was trying to bring, um, Lori, you know, to the house and show her the picture and everything. And I was like, what kind of fucking bullshit is this? Like, it made me so mad. It's like, like Rob Zombie literally shit on everything. He broke every rule about the Halloween movies. You know, mm-hmm. I understand taking a different direction uh, and, you know, maybe doing something a little different with Michael, but completely just like tearing it up and shitting on it and pissing on it is just so disrespectful. It just triggers me so bad. And um, she's triggered, y'all. Triggered. Yeah. Triggered. Okay. So, <laughs> so, you know, I went in there and I was thinking, maybe this movie will get better. I was literally saying to myself, will this movie get better? And it just was not getting better. And I don't even know what possessed me to watch the second one, just in case I had some kind of hope. <laughs> so you, can, you well, can imagine how much worse it was for me when I watched the second one. I was like, why, why did I just curse myself by doing this? Part, so, like, part two, part two is like the two dogs fucking on the side of the road syndrome. It's like you don't want to see it, but you're kind of forced to not turn away. Yeah, I spent the money. <laughs> God damn it, I'm gonna watch it. You know, but yeah, and, it just made and I can no say sense. that I'm thankful I didn't get to go see it in the movie theater because I feel like I would have. I mean, I've walked out on a couple movies, and I don't. I really hate doing that, and I w- I would have done it with those movies, and um, it's just it. It's like you know when. You know, like I said earlier, when you're drowning and you're reaching out for help and then maybe somebody will help you. So maybe the film will get better, but no, you just get like, like a high five and then you just go ahead and drown and die. Like, that's how I felt, you know, watching these films, it just got worse and worse and worse. And, you know, as we were saying earlier, every character was so unlikable. Like I I didn't, I didn't care for any character to live at all. You know, like I was just like, this whole movie can go to hell. I don't care, you know, and, and I, and I, don't, <laughs> well, I don't, 
<laughs> yeah, and I, I don't understand how Rob Zombie thinks that he made it better. And I'm like, what are you smoking to think that you did a better job than John Carpenter? Like, what did you do? What are you on? You know, it's it pretty just, good weed in California. You know, it, it, yeah, it's insulting. You know, it's it's just really insulting. And it's like it's it's like it almost feels like he did it on purpose to like piss everybody off. That's how bad his movies and, were. And well, just going back to a quote earlier, he said, you know, it, about his music being used in movies. He's like, it doesn't bother me if the movie shit. You know, I just take the money and run, and, and that's exactly what he did here. Yeah, yeah. And, yep. and and that's the way I felt about H two. Like I, I truly believe that he was pulling Carpenter's stunt, where he just really didn't give a fuck about the second one. He's like, I'm just getting the paycheck, and they told me to make. Here you go. Well, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I had the unfortunate uh, pleasure of seeing part two in theaters and I remember sitting there with my buddy just turning to him like what the fuck did we walk into yeah and and god forbid I mean let you know and I'm not trying to offend the Halloween Unleashed listeners here that are going to tune into this Friday that are not here tonight but I you guys know you know me I'm going to call it like I see it the Rob Zombie Halloween fans are just as fucking annoying as the 2018 fans that you can't disagree with. It's like, tell me on what planet earth that these characters could actually exist in real life. Because I have never met more people that are like this on a just common occurrence in this version of Halloween of Haddonfield when some of these defenders of these movies say, well, you just don't understand Rob. You're, you're right. I don't. I, I really don't because I don't understand as a director how he views a world. I just I, – I can't wrap my head around it and understand it. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's just like with 2018, it's an acquired taste. And if that's the case, fine. Again, it goes back to opinions. Have it. That's fine. I have mine. You're not changing mine. I'm not changing yours. So let's just not even have the fucking discussion. It's pointless. But you know, I mean, and it's I funny. feel like. Go ahead, Anna. Go ahead. Oh well, I mean, just like for instance, with Rob Zombie, I just feel like he could take even, let's say Hannibal Lecter, and raise him up in like fucking trailer trash, bullshit backstory line. Like he could do it. He would find a way to do it. You know, it's just he just fucking ruins. I don't know. It's just, I don't know what, what that whole is. The whole thing is with like his movies and it's just, it's a constant sickening, annoying thing. It's like, do something different. You know, I, I don't know. Just Well, that's the main reason I never watched, you know, this is not all subject, but you know, similar here. The reason why um, I never watched the Hannibal series. I heard it was great, but you know what? I don't want to know the backstory. I like the fact that he was an amazing doctor, psychiatrist, forensic, everything. And the fact that, you know, that he one day decided that he ate the, ate the rude. And he had, when they put a method to his madness, I didn't fear the characters much. I, I started liking him and appreciating him more, obviously, because that's what they went with. But I didn't like to explain who he was. Because Hannibal Lecter in Signs of the Lands, before Hannibal, any of those movies come out, dude, when he came on screen, 
You feared him. You saw his eyes. You didn't know what he was going to do. That's what made him scary. Same way with Michael Myers. I don't want to know. That's what makes it great is the mysteriousness of it, of not knowing. That's, that's what makes the true killers what they are and what ma made their mark in cinema history. You know, I just want to go scat the shit out of these motherfuckers. Oh, God. <laughs> fried chicken burp, motherfucker. Yeah, but, and I, uh, and I realized, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to add in is I don't want to sympathize with the killer. I want to be afraid of him. Yeah. Thank you. Very well put. That, exactly. When I'm in yeah. fear of when he's on screen, look, look at Heath Ledger's Joker in the second Batman of Christopher Nolan's trilogy. You were afraid of that dude. Like when he was on screen, you were like on the edge of your seat. You didn't know what the hell was going to happen. I love that. That yeah, build. he always he always changed his backstory. Like every time he told someone what happened, what happened to yeah. him, how he got the scars, he changed his story, and you knew you knew that you would never know what actually happened to him and why he is the way he is. Exactly, yeah. and that mysteriousness of it, and the crazy psychotic side of that, is what made him even creepier. Like you just said, he changed his backstory. You never knew what was coming, and that was to me that's scary. And mm -hmm. when there's not the motive, when you got a guy that yeah. killed a mass amount of people, and he tells you, when they ask him why he did it, and he's dead silent, fuck, man, I'm afraid of that dude. Yep. You know, yeah. in real and, life and or what, not. What I realized about a lot of, like, the Rob Zombie Halloween fans is they love the movie because of the brutality, the excess score, and, like, I'm thinking, if I want to watch a movie with, like, like a bunch of brutality, loud, obnoxious, excessive gore, <laughs> a shitty storyline... I'll go watch another horror movie, you know, like like a cheesy slasher or something like that. You know, I just, I don't want to see that with, you know, you, you can't take a classic and just turn it into a shitty movie like that. You just can't do it. It's just, it's, it's just a yeah. crime. <laughs> it's well, a crime. Well, it's like Chris said, you know, when you got a movie that's got a preset fan base, you're obviously going to be walking on eggshells, you know? Yep. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, just, just look at the Star Wars franchise. Oh, no comment. Perfect example. Perfect example. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's an opportunity knocks and the money talks, man. It really is. Yep. But yeah, that is the, the truth. Just, I just, I cannot. I tried watching them again just to be like, am I being too hard on these movies? And uh, no, I just, you know, Alex has them, and I just want to burn them. I told him, I was like, you know, I need to burn these movies. Is that okay? And he's like, no, you can't. I was like, why? Is this, this is trash, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I was like, well, I will have fun. I'll start a bonfire. I'll burn the movies. Have fun with it. Well, the only time I, I jumped in Rob Zombie's Halloween uh, was um, when Lori's dad just got killed. Like, like, he jumped out of, like, nowhere. And it was like, bang. And I was like... Yeah, that's what we needed. <laughs> yeah, you know, because I didn't, I didn't see or feel that coming from anywhere. Yeah, I didn't expect them to kill the Strodes off. I really didn't. You know, that was off the cuff and not expected. And seeing D. Wallace, you know, you know, scream for life on the on the ground there, man, it was like, holy shit, man, this is fucking brutal. You know? Yeah, it's and and the brutality stuff doesn't bother me, but to say that that's what made it good, I don't agree with that argument. Oh no, 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 not at all. But that's really all he had to go off. I really do. I think that's really all he had. And 
I think he knew at one point, probably editing the movie, that he's like, man, this is really, you know, I'm going off the original movie here. This is really all I got going for me here. Let's maybe overly over the top brutal and uh, have my characters just be overly offensive, you know? Um, I, I have to throw this out there. Andrew Peters, who's operating as Tara Peters on here, um, says, what about, the rape, what about the rape scene and the director's cut? Yes, absolutely. And here's the other thing. If, if they were, and not that I'm justifying the rape, okay? I'm talking about it in the context of the movie, okay? So everyone right. understand what I'm about to say is I'm talking about it in context of the scene. Right. Is why did they need, why did they feel the need to have to rape her inside Michael Myers' cell, cell to get him to break out? I mean, that was just such a trope for them to fall into. Like, well, we got to have a way for him to escape. So let's just have him rape a bitch, you know, inside of his cell so that he can get out. You know, and it's but just see, like, come on. The funny thing oh. is, when I saw it in the theaters, I was told that there were different versions of the movie in different theaters. In the version that I saw before the unrated cut was Bill Mosley. Uh, Leslie Easterbrook, um, they were the security guards, and that's when Michael broke the harness cuff, and, right, right. and they were walking down the hallway because uh, Bill Mosley said, you know, trick or treat, baby, let's go, let's transfer, they were transferring, and that's when they had him down the hallway, and he broke those fucking chains, that's right, yeah, a guy that size, you can, like, holy shit, I can see that happening, because that'd be nothing to Michael with the, the re-re strength, and so, and then he brutally killed them, and that's how he got out. Like, the, the whole rape scene, like you said, in the rated version, I'm like, that's not the fucking one I saw in the theaters. Why did which they is, fucking edit the Yeah, which, which is good that they, did, that, that, they, that they didn't include that into the theatrical. They probably weren't allowed, so they had to have that other scene with, when they're breaking the change. But, see, that didn't even, like, like, that didn't scare me. That didn't make me go, oh, my God, he's a badass. I'm just like, yeah, okay, so we had this little... Uh, emo looking kid let's be honest emo looking kid that looked like a chick um <laughs> that like was, Hansen brother exactly the, the the lost Hansen brother walking around like a like a marshmallow through that entire thing until like we we have to believe that he's violent okay ah. well I, I guess i can believe it but I, I, this kid i don't i don't think he could whip anyone's ass you know yeah, so he couldn't sell it he just has such a whiny character Right. And so I'm like, okay, so you have this normal, normal kid with average strength, average this, average that. Then he turns in, he grows up, he's been locked away for 15 years. So what, what did they have him on? Like, you know, was he lifting weights just like he was in prison or something to get all that strength? It just, it made no sense how his, how he had such superhuman strength. It made no sense. Yeah. Like kids like, I mean, and speaking from somebody that's a taller guy, I was always a bigger kid. I was bigger than everybody. Like, I was always taller. I was never thicker. I was just a skinny, lanky kid growing up. Like, I could I could have been a basketball player. I was so damn skinny. Um, but then I grew out to myself. Like, that takes time. And you see Tyler Maine, for instance. I mean, he's a big, swole dude. And, like, it just didn't fit. Like, the kid didn't sell it. Like, in in in, in Dave for, uh, uh, Fark, the guy that played him, you know, is you know he was a great he was a great child actor, but I don't think he fit as a young Myers. I really don't. And then the whole long hair thing—not everybody was a fucking skater kid back then. It was oh, speaking of, speaking of the way people looked, can can we both get an amen that the that the Daniel Harris's boyfriend 
and Christina Klebe's boyfriend. Oh, they God. would have they would have never been able to fuck a woman that hot. Sorry. No, not the back then. <laughs> fuck no. You're exactly right. And I said that. I'm like that ugly motherfucker is getting with Christina Linda, Christina yeah. Klebe. Like come no on. Way. Like that dude. I'm not. I'm not cocky by any means, but I'm like, dude, that dude's a fucking chud. Like, I look better than that guy. <laughs> I got a fucking chance of getting her. I mean, if that dude can get her, shit. That made me feel better, you know? <laughs> just yeah. constantly portraying a bunch of bullshit that's unbelievable. You know? Yeah. It was just out of place. You know, it really was. Like, that dude, I don't know. It just didn't sell. Like, that couldn't have been Linda's boyfriend. Like, that was not Bob in the glasses. Come on, man. No, but he looked like a just like every one of Rob Zombie's characters in his universe. It's like, why does everybody got to look, talk, and act the same? And then when he was with, I call her Jenny, you know. Um, oh, yeah. And when he fucking puts the mask on when he's banging her, like, dude, nobody does that shit. I love masks, but I'm Speak not for yourself. Shit out when I'm getting Speak laid. Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself, <laughs> sir. Uh, <laughs> speak no for no. yourself. <laughs> no mask allowed, damn it. <laughs> and by the way, you can't breathe when you're going to come. I'm just saying that. You no. can't. Not when you got to breathe through your eye holes, you know. <laughs> it's like trying to it's like trying to take a deep breath in a plastic bag over your head. It's just not going to happen. Dude, yeah, you're going to hyperventilate in that damn thing. Hell no. It's hard enough walking around in that fucking Florida heat in a convention with the mask on. Thank God the RZ mask had a mouth slit. That when I wore the six, oh my God, dude, I was baking in an oven. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Because your eye holes essentially become your breathing ports, you know? Yeah. It's like yep. these fucking masks we're wearing right now. Hello. Anyway, um, I think <laughs> now that we've uh, silenced Hannah, <laughs> Hannah, H- Hannah, do you have anything else? Uh, I know, I know, Daniel Parker wants to come on here. I want to try to get as many people on as we can, and then I want to try to get out of here as early as possible tonight. Uh, no, I believe that's it. I've said my piece about the shittiest movies in the world. Well, I appreciate for, it. Thank you for calling in, Hannah. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. All right, so uh, I'm going to look up Daniel Parker. Daniel, you're up next, and we're going to unmute you in three, two, one. Um, You should be unmuted. Holla, holla, holla. Uh, It's not letting me unmute. There there he is. Okay. Yeah, he's going to click it. There you go. Working now? It is. What's going on, Daniel? Hey, what's up? I just said I had two things to talk about. Two things that kind of stand out about this movie for me. Number one, I remember this was the first Halloween movie I really remember coming out because I was probably around nine when it came out, um, or at least Damn, when the trailer. You're young. Yeah, I'm 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 20 now. But uh, Jesus Christ! Oh man, want to trade places? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Play child support? Um, <laughs> no, but I just remember seeing all those trailers and then. The one thing that stands out to me, I didn't see the movie for a couple of years after that, but I did see the scene where where Christina Klebe gets, you know, naked. Uh, I remember that was one of my first exposures to like first boner, huh? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had that. I'd watched that video on loop over and over again, super grainy version on YouTube before they had uh, before they took stuff like that off the site. Good times, but. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um 
I was going to say, I did have an encounter with Tyler Maine that was kind of funny. Um, I was at a convention in Gettysburg called Pop Rock and Horror that one of my buddies puts on. And it was a really intimate convention. Not a lot of people went. Um, and it was in this old uh, hotel, you know, right by the battlefield. And the hotel was pretty much deserted. And it was a couple hours before the convention started. So I threw on my Myers costume. And I, I walk out of the room, turn around the corner, and Tyler Maine's just standing in the hallway, like, with a drink, looking at the bar menu. And so I stand there, and I just stare at him. And he doesn't notice me for about 30 seconds. He turns and looks at me. Then he just turns back and walks away. That was it. <laughs> and, and, and Tyler's not really a guy that can be intimidated, man. I've seen him in person, and that dude can mad dog the fuck out of you. you know? well, he just seemed like he couldn't be bothered. It was great. Yeah, it, it, it was funny. I don't think Corey even recalls this one, but uh, I remember Tyler was at one of the conventions that Corey and I went together, and I think because, you know, he's had a lot of lower back problems and knee problems, he was walking a little, like, almost like he had to take a shit. And then Corey, Corey, Corey looks over at me and goes, look, man, he looks like he has a fucking dick up his ass. You know, the way he's oh walking. <laughs> do you, do you recall that Corey? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, I can, you know, what's, and what's crazy uh, about that is, you know, later through the years, getting old and doing what I do for a living, I've developed, cause I'm his size. I've developed lower back issues and, you know, my body's telling me, fuck you at the moment, you know, so I can now yeah. I feel bad for that statement. So <laughs> I can relate now. Yeah. Know. Well, yeah. thinking of that same convention, I D Wallace was there too. She was super nice lady. Yeah, she is very sweet lady. Um, and scout Taylor Compton was supposed to be there, but she canceled at the last minute, but that was a, yeah, that was a pretty good convention. I mean, yeah, she's a sweetheart too. Scout is, you know, Brad yeah. Moore was there. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say Brad Laurie was also there. That was uh... he's he's a cool dude, man. I had I had uh, beers with him and Chris Chris Duran up at um up in Indianapolis at Indianapolis. Uh, yeah, uh, the one that Jamie Lee Curtis was at her one and only age thirty five. No, it was the one and only convention that they did. Uh, it was Horror Hound Indianapolis in oh, okay. two thousand twelve, yeah. and it was the only one that Jamie Lee Curtis did has ever done. And uh, everybody was there, and I was down in the bar, and uh, Lori and uh, Chris Chris Durand came in, and we just started just bullshitting and talking, and there was a group of us, and then um, yeah, I ended up buying buying them a beer, and then they bought me a beer, and we just sat around and just bullshitted forever. Um, yeah, cool cool dudes, man. Very cool I dudes. Picture somewhere I'll have to post in the group. He did his in costume photo op with the whole resurrection getup. And nice. I, I picture with him, we were like twins, you know. But uh, I'll have to end up posting that in the group. But yeah, he was a very nice guy. I wish I'd talk to him more. Yeah, he's like, I'll take a Molson, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool dude, man. Like, we're friends on Facebook till the day, and he's very vocal. He talks to his fans and shit. So I've, I've got nothing but props from I mean, I didn't care for H2O, but I mean, him as Myers, I thought he did a good job. It's just the mass sucked. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he. Uh, I, I like Chris, and you know, same way with Brad Laurie. I think, and he, dude, he was geeking out the whole time he played Myers. And he, he loves it, you know. I thought uh, of the of the sequels. I think that Brad did one of the best jobs, um, yeah. you know, since uh, Castle and Warlock. That's that's my opinion. Um, oh yeah, 
I've been very vocal. Was not a James Jude Courtney fan. Was not at all. I always got a soft spot for Wilbur, though. I oh yeah, for sure. Courtney was similar to to Lori, like as far as his presentation. Well, that's just me, I guess. The I thing with James it, 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 that I noticed is he moved too fast. That is, I, that is he did move a bit being, Yeah. You know, especially being at the age of Michael Myers is, he was a little, like, I get the aggressiveness of it. He's older, he's pissed, he's out of jail, whatever. Um, but he didn't have that Michael Myers movement like the, some of the, pre- like his predecessors had, you know. Well, mm-hmm. here's, well, here's, well, here was my problem with it. And Brandon Zachman and I kind of broke it down in the uh, H4O episode, but, you know, I'll, I'll cover it again. Is when, you make me as as an audience member i'm supposed to suspend disbelief and i'm you're supposed to sell me that this is a real situation going on i'm supposed to get lost for 2 hours of right. my life into your universe and not think that this is a performance you could tell in many scenes that the way he was portraying myers as he was this spot here, this spot here, that spot there. He, it was like he was directed. Like, just look at that scene where he goes in and they kind of throw that little nod to the Elrod scene where he steps here, turns here, almost like a robotic. He's a robot. Uh, like, yeah. a, like, it's like a spirit Halloween store, Michael Myers, where he's just a robot moving on a pedestal. And yeah. that's just the way he was. And I'm just going, okay, you just took me out of the believability of it. Yeah. He was very mechanical, you know. So that that in itself, I mean, yeah, there were some scenes where, like, and some of his walks was cool, but it just, I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. Um, I liked I liked Tyler Maine once I got past the the hulking figure. I got once I got past it, I'm like, okay, yeah. In the scenes that he was given to be brutal and just out there, and you don't think that's Michael Myers, and I'm just like, yeah, it's a that's a that's a brutal son of a bitch. Well, the, uh, well, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say the one thing that I did notice about Tyler Mann that I really liked. This wasn't just Tyler Mann. I think you know it was obviously a directorial thing too. It I never noticed this the first few times that I watched. I don't. You probably have, but pretty much every scene when they're in the neighborhood, you can see in the background Michael's following. Or he's he's somewhere stalking, like even more so than the original. And once I noticed that, I had a lot more respect for those scenes. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was always there lurking. You know, he was a yeah. menace. You know, in the back. All right. Um, well, you got anything else? I want to try to get um, a few more people on before we wrap. I want to try to be out of here in the next ten minutes. Well, that's all for me. So. Awesome. Thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for chiming yeah, in and, and giving up yeah, your man. Sunday night. Take care. Later. Later. All right. Um, well, we've had some pretty cool discussions, man. This is uh, this has been oh, yeah. awesome. Absolutely, dude. I totally enjoyed it. I'm sure when this episode drops on Friday, there's going to be some people that uh, that absolutely go. I'm never listening to this show again. Unsubscribe. They just shit on the best movies in the franchise. <laughs> Yeah, right. And I don't think that we've shit on anything. I think that we gave an honest. We paid respect where respect is due. Exactly, know? exactly. And it's just like the same thing that we were, when we were talking about, um, 
anything else. It's either you're going to love them or you're going to hate them. And it's like just because I don't I don't particularly care for this universe does not mean that there's not a place for it for somebody that does enjoy this stuff. I mean, it's exactly. obviously. You know, it made 80 million dollars in the box office on a 15 million dollar budget. What the fuck do I know? You yeah, know? I mean, some would consider that a success. <laughs> it, it, it was. So, I mean, again, what the fuck do I know? It's the same thing with H4O. It's like everyone that keeps saying it, it's like there was a there was a conversation and some of the people then in the chat probably saw it um, where somebody's like, well, maybe they'll make it better in the second one. I'm like, well, they gave you 250 million reasons in the last one why they why they're going to turn out the same shit. You know, it's not right. going to be better. You know, that's exactly. because everyone that that expects that to be better they're also the ones, like I said earlier, are going to whip their dick out no matter what. Yep. So, but anyway. I don't hate the movie at all by any means. At the time, that's, you know, I dug it. And, you know, and I, there's certain things I didn't dig, you know. But that's any movie nowadays, really, like I said before, you know. But, you know, I like some of the, the – what, what sold that movie to me is the certain key points that we've talked about and some of the actresses and actors that made it what it was, you know, at the time. So, And I, like I said, I love Tyler Maine's movements. He had such a presence about him. Once you got – like you said, you got past his hulking size, the dude had Myers down. Like, he was scary. Like, you, you did fear the guy. Like, when his movements and his head turns, his stares – like you saw that blankness in his eyes, there was no emotion, and, you know, and that's what sold him in the first one, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep, agreed. You know, H two, that's what he called Halloween two, was released uh, two years later, just a couple days shy, um, August twenty eighth of oh nine. Once again, another fifteen million dollar budget made thirty nine point four million versus the eighty million box office that they had. That's quite a damn drop. Um, that's over. Yeah. A, that's over a fifty percent drop in an overall uh, theater performance. That's that's not good. No, no, you know, and that movie, ugh, it just. I saw a different edit of that movie where they cut out all the the acid trip scenes, and it was actually a Bisco did trip. it. And uh, it was actually not bad watching it after with you know stupid fucking scenes cut out of it. It was pretty cool. Like I somewhat accepted the movie at that point. Yeah, um, John Taft uh, Bisco did it. He he yeah. cut out he cut out all those scenes. That's right, he did, and he did a really good job with it. You know? And a- actually, when the, the way he edited it together it was actually it was actually watchable. Yeah, it was very good. It wasn't. It didn't look like it was cheaply done. It was done very well, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, last call for everybody in here. That, that if if you want to call in, we will definitely unmute you and let you uh, say your piece. If not, um, we're, we've got about another minute. We're going to hang on. And then we're going to work on wrapping up. Corey, how how was it being back on the mic, man? Also, like. Being at work, man, I just roll with it. <laughs> you know me, man. You know you you get two of us on the on the horn, man. It's uh, we could talk for days. You know, it's just the way it is because we got so many similarities in the shit that we like and respect. Um, it just flows, man. It's never it's never a challenge, you know. Especially when it's something that we both love, you know. So for it's sure. it's been it's been fun, dude. I, I've totally enjoyed. It. We need to do it again. 
Oh, absolutely. It could be Halloween, Friday the thirteenth, anything. We could do we could roll with it, you know. And yeah. uh following. So and I know there's a lot of people that love those movies and you know, like I said, one man's trash is another man's treasure. So we'll that's get right. different opinions, you know. Which yeah. are fine. That's that's what I say about anal, you know. So some people don't dig it. That's that's the trash. That's my treasure, you know. So, <laughs> um, but you know, especially nowadays, man, with all this shit going on, <laughs> you know, I mean, we need something a uh, forum and to be heard and have fun with and just to let go, man. Because all this quarantine shit and all this crap going on in the world today, you know, we need this. We need something to release on and enjoy ourselves and to forget about society for two minutes. Because if I have to hear about politics or fucking mask for any more than two minutes, I'm I'm bored. Like let's yeah. let's let's enjoy our fucking hobbies again. Damn it, you know. Agreed. You know, let's because get back to where it was. I just love the people that love to post their opinions about what's going on in the world or politically, and it's just like, who fucking cares, man? It's I'm like. Over. Let's care. just let's just go back to the 80s when everybody just went to the fucking poll booth, didn't talk about it, didn't and have what, to debate about it, just vote who you're going to vote for and just be done with it because again, I go back to I go back to the saying and this is opinions. We all have opinions. They're all right and they're all wrong. It just depends on what side of the fence you're on. If you're exactly. if you're arguing for something, you're going to be right in your mind. But to the person that's not on your side, you're going to be wrong, and then they're going to be right. And it's just it's yeah. it's a never ending shit show when it comes to what's the best H one mask, what's the best H two mask. I'm so fucking tired of that. It's like use your goddamn eyes and go out there and just figure it out. Yeah, like just, what you like. And that's it. You know, it doesn't have to be a fucking science. It really doesn't. You know, when they when they 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 piss the shit out of everything, it burns everybody out, and nobody wants to be a part of it anymore. You know. And I always love this. Well, I just love a good debate. Well, fucking go get into politics if you want to debate something. I'm like, yeah. Facebook isn't the fucking place for that shit. Yeah, I don't. I'm tired of arguing. I'm I'm done with it. That's why I stepped out of a lot of the forums and, you know, that are mass related because I'm just, I'm tired of that. I don't want to fight. I want to enjoy what I'm doing, not feel like a fucking job, you know? Exactly. And that, and that's why we got into this. This is our release from society, our norm. Like people play video games for this or shoot a gun or go for a walk, exercise. People need that release. When you bring shit in it that doesn't need to be there it's going to ruin that hobby for somebody that loves it and that is not the right way to go about anything these days i think you know so i yep. say enjoy what you enjoy and just you know if you got an opinion about it, it's great but don't get mad at somebody that's got a different opinion we're human beings we're not going to like the same shit yep and well <laughs> I don't think anybody else is going to call in. Um, I'm I'm good to call tonight. What about you? Sounds good to me, brother. Totally enjoyed the show, and thank you to all that have listened and chimed in. And uh, it's definitely been enjoyable. We'll for sure do this again. Um, we'll get everybody to kind of on the forum, you know, and on Facebook, and you know, voice what they want to do, and we'll go from there and see what we're going to do next. Absolutely. So everybody, be vocal. Awesome. Well, next time uh, you, me, and Aaron will have to 
we'll have to do this one live. Um, definitely appreciate you coming on and everyone. Um, Thanks make for sure you, yeah, no problem. Everyone make sure that you stay safe and um, love one know. another a little bit more and just scroll and roll. That's enjoy, the only advice I have. Enjoy life. That's what you, that's what, that's why we're here. If other than that, there's no sense. Enjoy it. Exactly. All right, guys. Well, everyone take care. And from Corey Jones, I'm Chris Morgan, and this has been Halloween Unleashed Live. We're the returning of Mass Talk Radio, and we're out of time. Take care, guys. Good evening. Thanks for listening to Halloween Unleashed. Be sure to download, rate, and subscribe anywhere you download your podcasts. From Apple, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio. And then join our social media channels at our official Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash Halloween Unleashed. On Instagram at Halloween Unleashed. And on Twitter at HWeen Unleashed. Be sure to share our episodes in your horror groups on your timeline and on Instagram. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode of Halloween Unleashed.